0: Okay, President Swig, we're ready to go? Okay, good evening and welcome to the September 14th, 2022 hybrid meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, and Commissioner John Tresviña. Also attending remotely is Deputy City Attorney John Givner who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. Deputy City Attorney Brad Russi will be joining us remotely for a portion of the meeting. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Corey Teague, the zoning administrator, and Tina Tam, the deputy zoning administrator, both representing the planning department, and Kevin Birmingham, senior building inspector with the department of building inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence cell phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The board's rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents, each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three-minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. For a rehearing requests, the parties are given three minutes each with no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Since the board has a vacancy, three votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination or to grant a rehearing request. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules, or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. Number one, in person. Two, via Zoom, please go to our website and click on the Zoom link. Or three, by telephone, call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 834-4621-4114. SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first I'll star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star 6 to unmute yourself. You will have three minutes uh, depending on the length of the agenda and the volume of speakers. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it's very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there's interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to Appeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you have been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So item number one is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak on an item that is not on tonight's agenda? Please raise your hand. I don't see anyone here, so we will move on to item number two, commissioner comments and questions.
1: Commissioners, any any comments, questions? Nope. We're, we'd like to welcome Mr. Gibner, but he's not here yet. Pardon? We'd like to mi- mi- welcome Mr. Gibner, but he's not here yet. He's
0: here, attending remotely.
1: Oh, he is? Okay. Yes. So he's here. John, okay. welcome, and uh, thanks for all your support uh, during the time that you're here. Thank you.
0: Commissioner. Okay. Sure. okay, great. Is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. Okay, there's no public comment, so we will now move on to item number three, the adoption of the minutes. Before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the September 7th, 2022 meeting.
1: Commissioners, any a motion or any comments? Mr. Chosina. Chir-
2: I would like to move the approval of the minutes um, as uh, presented.
0: Okay. Do we have any public comment on this motion to adopt the minutes? I don't see any, so on Commissioner Trezvenor's motion to adopt the minutes, Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. President Swig, Aye. So that motion carries four to zero, and the minutes are adopted. We will now move on to item number four. This is a rehearing, and and is the requester here? Yes, okay, so this is a rehearing request for appeal number 22-051, subject property at 118 to 120 15th Avenue. George Tedeschi, the appellant, is requesting a rehearing of appeal number 22-051, which was decided on August 17, 2022. At that time, upon motion by Vice President Lopez, the board voted 5-0 to, to deny the appeal and uphold the Notice of Violation and Penalty Decision on the basis that the zoning administrator did not err or abuse his discretion and the determination was properly issued. And the determination holders, George Tedeschi. did the determination description. The zoning administrator has determined that the subject property is in violation of Planning Code Sections 174 and 175 due to the failure to complete the abatement work in compliance with building permit number 2016-0406-4103. This permit was issued for the legalization and modification of unauthorized construction work, including alterations to the roof form and front facade, interior alterations, removal of a dwelling unit on the second floor, and construction of a firewall in the rear yard without authorization. The subject property is authorized for two family dwelling units. This is complaint number 2016-014117. And we will hear from Mr. Tadeshi first. You have three minutes.
3: Are these minutes recorded? Can I get a copy of the, of the minutes?
0: Yes, this is being video recorded right they're now. Video recorded,
3: so mm-hmm. I can get copies of the minutes from last time and this time? Oh,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: very good. And, um, and then also, I have a question.
0: Uh, well, sir, this is your time to present. Do you have oh. a procedural well, what question is your, right what, now?
3: Are you, are you able to overturn? Uh, planning department individuals? At,
0: at of, this point, the rehearing request, as previously explained, okay. is for you well, to determine... What, what, I'm trying to answer your question. Oh. Can you please hold on? Uh, okay. At this point, you're, we're, you're, you're making a request to rehear the matter. And yes. you At this hearing, you need to establish that there's new evidence or manifest injustice. Okay. Uh, well, would, I,
3: I believe I'm subject to manifest injustice. Okay.
0: So let's start your presentation. And we'll start that
3: way. Okay. I just want to determine whether you have the power to not at this hearing. Right. right now, it. they're okay. just
0: entertaining your request.
3: So, uh, last, uh, though, um, Ms. Rosenberg stated a bunch of stuff, she failed to mention the most important thing. Last time I was here, uh, I asked, what is it that takes planning to get off my butt, basically, after six years? I feel that I've been, um, you know, there's a misrepresentation and inequitable treatment of my property and my neighbor's property relative to other properties. I have. I can show you evidence of that, but uh, I just want to talk about my own at this point. So last time I missed Ham, who is a a deputy zoning administrator, specifically said for me to uh, satisfy planning's requirements, I needed to get approval by DBI of the facade to show that it was built as according to plan. I did that. Also, there was a $3,000 plus fine that there were no Invoices, there's no idea of where it came from, how it originated, and my request to get invoices were ignored. So, consequent to the last meeting, right away I went, you know, because I promised you guys, I said I'll take care of it, and I did. So, I got DBI to do the inspection, and I went out to Mr. Teague and uh, Kelly Wong, who is the Roshna Roshna supervisor. And um, I I started emailing them on the 24th, said I did whatever you want, you know, according to the board. Let's make. A, let's figure out how to deal with this fine, you know, because you want to have an invoice at least. You know what's it for? Well, I got no response. So as the time went on, and I got ten days to repeal this thing. So on the twenty-sixth, it turns out I've, I paid my hundred fifty bucks, and now I'm here. It was only six days later that T gives me an email. He says, "Oh man, let's work it out." And um, and Wong comes back, and she says, "Well." You know, she had no idea what Tina Tam told you guys. And she's a deputy zoning administrator. And so she comes up, she says, I still want to be your mother. I still want to keep you on, the, on this indefinite, you know, fine. Uh, you know, this is a bunch of indefinite, never-ending bunch of fines and penalties by a department that has nothing to do with building department. I have no problem with building department. All my permits are in order. I have my plumbing passed, an electrical passed. I'm waiting for appliances. I know what to do. But I don't need planning on my ass, especially since I've done everything they wanted. The zoning administrator can tell you what she wants and then have it totally overturned 30 second. by you know, individuals who are unelected bureaucrats. You know, What power do you guys got? So I'm here to ask for justice, a reconsideration of this thing. And you know, uh, oh, by the way, to alleviate all this kind of negotiations of the fine, we pay the fine. So there's no problem with the fine. I did what was said i have proof right here i can show it to you on the i don't know over here you want to see it i think in, in my you can
0: show it on the overhead Okay. So...
4: actually your, your time is up thank you.
3: yeah so would you like to see that i've done whatever you guys want yes
1: i'd like to make you comfortable and i'd like to see uh, i'd like to see the can we see um, the overhead please receipt please on the overhead okay thank you
3: so here's my job card there's a job card there's the 2016, etc., cetera, ending at 4103. That's the uh, permit in violation. Here's the sign off right there showing that this building, there's the facade, complies with this picture. See, there's the picture. That is the approved. See, there's approval. There's the picture. The building inspector said it complies. It did what was asked. And I never get off the hook. When is this thing going to end? Why do I have to deal with pl- planning when they're a whole different department for building?
0: OK, we're, we'll hear from That's planning now. but we do have a question from Commissioner Lemberg.
3: And all these, uh, Mrs. Rosenberg, all these other things that you mentioned, those are bureaucratic mumbo jumbo. Like, I'm a physician. You guys are attorneys. Everybody's got their own lingo. Okay. Planning has their own link. Okay. Most people don't know Thank the you, language. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Mr. Lemberg has a question for you, and then I'll have a question for you. Thank you.
5: I do. Um, I, Mr. Tadeshi, I, I want to ask, because the standard in front of us for to grant a rehearing is uh, either new evidence or manifest injustice, um, what, what are you presenting that's new, if anything? What's, what's new is the
3: following, is that your deliberate body to which the public can go to for justice. And either you have the power to do something about it to the, for the public, who has no other place to go other than go to the courts, okay? And then when you make a determination that I, as a public you know, individual, need to do this and that and I, and I accomplish those goals and I do my part, and I'm still not let off the hook. How come they can make the rules and change them whenever they want and you guys don't have any power? So either you can do it or you can't do it, you know?
5: Well, the, the question isn't whether we have the ability to do it. I, we do. That's, you do? Uh, okay, fantastic. But that doesn't answer my question. My question is what are you presenting to us that is new?
3: What's new is, is that the facade was signed off by DBI and the fine was paid in total. And if you've checked the emails from Kelly Wong, Roshna Rasha supervisor, in the, they're in the code enforcement part. Uh, I could read you the email if you'd like. I could put it up on the board. But essentially it says, we're never going to let you off the hook until DBI, a whole other department, comes out and totally gives you clearance. And then maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll find you more. Everything's open. Uh, No receipts, no nothing, no invoices.
5: So follow-up question then. If you've paid the fine and DBI has signed off on the property, what are you even attempting to have reheard. by this I, I want to
3: manifest injustice. You, know, you, as a deliberative body, told me the rules. I followed them, okay? Mm-hmm. Last time I was here, Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Director, has two master's degrees and knows how to talk to talk. She says, do this, and you're fine. And then the next thing is, is was the issue of non-invoiced billing of over $3,000. And rather than discuss that, knowing that there was no response from either the Chief zoning Administrator, Terry um, uh, Teague, and, uh, and Mrs. Wong, or Miss Wong, you know, uh, we paid it just to be done with it. Her response is, you paid the first part of it, but we don't know how much more it's going to be. I can read you the email. It's crazy. You know, we're in a country where the President of the United States comes out on Memorial Day like a tin pot dictator saying half of America is his enemy. Crazy times, just crazy times right now, you know, it's like my immigrant grandmother who went through Auschwitz and stuff would be rolling in her grave, you know, what's going on in this country, how the city has degenerated, you know, it's like Nero playing the fiddle while Rome is burning. Let, it's let's crazy stay on, stuff.
1: Let's stay on the subject. I think you've answered his question. Yes. So, no. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Mr. Trezvino. Uh, doctor, I'm, I hear your frustration, loud and clear. I think I can speak for my colleagues and say we hear your frustration. Uh, it's not, while we are pleased to see members of the public, it's disappointing that you feel you have to be back here, but apparently you do. My question is whether you want us to undo any of the actions that we took the last time you were here or whether you're simply seeking in frustration oh no way for a way for the department to department or departments to respond to the actions that you've taken since the time
3: you were there's no response at all until six days after my initial attempts to address these issues with the appropriate individuals and planning and it was only after I made this appeal request that they finally responded. And it responded with no change. It's not like, you know, Deputy Zoning Administrator Tam said, you need to do this, you did it, you're fine. You pay the fine, you're good, you're good to go, deal with building, we're done.
2: The doctor, if you could try again to answer, happened. if you can answer, attempt to answer my question a different way. Okay. Is there any action that this body took that you want changed? Yes. And What is that?
3: I would like you to reconsider your denial of my initial appeal and take my evidence as good enough and determine that I've done my required um, uh, duties under this NOV and it's over. And that there's no open-ended fine scheme that seemingly will go on forever. (laughs) You know, I don't understand, you know, how you expect people to want to develop in this town and do and do good when Thanks. it's so difficult. Think, you know? Have you
1: gotten your question answered, yes. sir? Yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I'm going to try one more time. Yeah. All right. Um, we, we left here. We worked hard together. We accomplished what I thought was a goal, Which and correct me, please, if I'm wrong, that uh, you were going to go to DBI. DBI is going to give you a sign-off. Did DBI give you a sign-off? Yes, I showed it on the the screen. All right. uh, And I'm comfortable that I I agree with you. Okay. Then that sign-off, according to planning, was all they needed to, if you paid the fine.
3: According to Tina Tam, yes. uh,
1: uh, To pay the fine, according to what I heard.
3: You remember, um, you got a good memory.
1: I try. Yeah, good. A little old, but, you know. uh, And then according to planning, you get the sign-off, you pay the fine, we're done. That's what I That's heard. how I understood it. So, so what the question that you want me to ask to, uh, of planning is, are we done yet? That's it. Thank you. It's so simple. All right. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. We'll hear from the planning department. Thank you. Thank you.
6: Good evening, President Swig, Vice President Lopez, members of the board. I'm Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Administrator. This is a rehearing request for the appeal of a notice of violation and penalty decision that was issued to the property owner at 118-120-15th Avenue. The NOVPD was issued on June 30th, 2022. The appellant is one of the owners of the property, and the appeal was heard last month on August 17th. As you may recall, the board voted 5-0 to to deny the appeal. Despite the appellant's belief, the the appellant has not satisfied the requirements necessary to abate the violation. The violation is for illegal work for both the exterior and the interior of the building. To date, the corrective permit, which was filed in 2016, has yet been fully inspected by DBI or deemed complete. While I understand that the owner did call for an inspection after the appeal hearing, he also requests that the inspection be only uh, of the front facade. On August 23, 2022, on the day of the inspection, the inspector was not provided access to the interior of the building. As such, the inspector did not inspect the inside or the remainder scope of work under the corrective permit. There is no indication of when the corrective work will be completed or when the permit can become final. And as such, the enforcement case in planning remains open. The planning department asks that the board deny the rehearing request on the basis that there is no manifest injustice, as there is no new information or different facts or circumstances where if such facts and circumstances were known at the time of the August 17th hearing, they would have affected the outcome of the hearing. Um, just to clarify, there's, there's no fines or penalties assessed on this property at this time. Um, what Mr. Tadishy is referring to is staff time and material to recover the, the work that we have done, to continue to track and work with um, um, the owner and DBI in ensuring that there is progress in abating the violation. That concludes my report.
1: I have a couple questions. Um, there is no, uh, there is no new information and there is no, according associated with the, uh, the hearing that we had, I, I don't see any manifested injustice. Okay. Now that we've gone and maybe my fellow commissioners will agree with me, but, but for my heart of hearts, I got to say, I got to satisfy my own curiosity. Okay. Um, when we left here, I recall that DBI was going to do an inspection. And the focus of that inspection, from what I heard, and I did not uh, read, uh, did not review the entire case, I'm going from my memory, that we walked out of here saying DBI is going to do an inspection, I agree. And there seemed to be a focus on the windows, and the emphasis that I, that I recall was not placed on the interior. That 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 doesn't mean anything. That, but that's what I recall. There was a focus on the windows, and if my recollection is incorrect, that that's where my senior memories come back. So, I recalled DBI. All right, um, and and so I I I will stick with what we agreed to. Which is that DBI will do an inspection. They, they will come up with whatever the project sponsor needs to get done, and then you'll close the, the issue. Um, with regard to the fees, I'm hearing that they're not. They are not penalties. And thank you very much for, for that information. They are not. They are not. They are not penalties. They're not fines. Correct? Yes. They are staff time. Is there a possibility? So, that, and this has nothing to do with the case. T- in whether we're going to move this, rehear this, because I I, I I stated my point of view at this point, but uh, just for my information, for the to help the psyche of the unsatisfaction of, of our customer who is a member of the citizenry of San Francisco, is there an invoice, backup, staff time that you can provide him, please? to give him the satisfaction that his $3,000 is actually going, he can reconcile to to staff time and hours, please. Can that be done for him, please?
6: Yes, thank you for the question. Um, My recollection of the hearing on August 17th is that the inspection should take place uh, for the corrective permit. And that corrective permit covers a lot of scope of work. Okay. And I think Julie was, very uh, I'm not, clear with
1: I'm not gonna argue all the with different it.
6: types of illegal work that was done that needs to be inspected. Yeah. The window is this one one aspect of this permit okay. um, in terms of the um, the billing invoice of time and material we yeah. do have a, an invoice um, for all the charges we are required; everybody in the planning department um, are required to go ahead and count for every 15 minutes of time that we spent on any particular case and we be really happy to print that out for him I,
1: I, I, I appreciate that you probably do I appreciate that you will make that available to the gentleman so that at least the satisfaction of the ability to reconcile his payment to a bill will be there. So, and thank you for the clarification of the, the inspection and I hope the inspection is done quickly and that you are able to resolve your issues with the project sponsor, okay? Thank you. Okay,
0: thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection.
4: Good evening, President Swig, members of the board. Um, we did do, we were called out for a site inspection to look at the front facade of the building which was performed <coughs> sorry um, on August 23rd and it does conform to what was on the drawings. But we did not inspect anything on the interior of the building there still is, um, he still has valid permits to complete the work. So once he's ready to complete, we'll be happy to inspect.
1: And what do you need, please? Are you done? I'm sorry to interrupt. And what do you need the project sponsor to ask you? And what time space do you need to get your inspections done after hearing whatever you're about to tell me, he needs to tell you.
4: Well, yeah, he needs to complete the project, he needs to clear his special inspections, he needs to get the electrical, plumbing, and fire signed off, and then we'll be happy to come out and final a job.
1: Great, thank you very much. Okay. We, have it on, we have clarity on that.
0: Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comments. so commissioners, this matter submitted.
1: Uh, commissioners, um, I made my point. I see no new evidence. I see frustration, but that's not part of the, the deal. I don't see uh, manifest injustice. What I see is the inability of, uh, you, you like communication, Mr. Trezina. What I see is the inability of, of two parties to have a clear communication with each other. What I've attempted to do tonight is, is open those conduits of communication and be very clear as to what the project sponsor has to tell dbi and get in return i hope that was clear it was clear to me and we've also resolved the issue of the the payment uh, but with regard to the issue at hand which is a rehearing i see no new information and i don't see manifest injustice justice unless anybody else does i'd like to uh, make that motion to n- deny the uh, request for a rehearing on that basis
0: okay i believe commissioner transvenia wants to weigh in
2: I I want to agree and associate um, myself with the comments and the perspective that that President Swig mentioned earlier, including my recollection of the previous time that Dr. Tedeschi was here. However, I note, looking back into my notes, that the caption uh, included uh, alterations to the roof form, front facade, uh, interior interior alterations. So it was helpful and I appreciate uh, uh, Tina Tam, uh, refreshing my recollection as to what, what occurred at the previous uh, uh, proceeding. And I, I also agree that there's a lot of frustration here. There are uh, the question about what is under the power of our board, as distinct from uh, unstated, the general ability of an individual to contact the Legislative side of city government, they're a member of the board of supervisors, the uh, mayor's office, and other places. There are other places to address frustration, uh, and it, our our role is as as has been stated about manifest injustice, new information, uh, and uh, as for a rehearing, I I believe the request is lacking as to those points, and that is the extent of our ability. So I would agree that the uh, that the rehearing request should be uh, denied. Mr. Lopez.
7: Yeah, I I just wanted to clarify for the benefit of the appellant and for members of the public, uh, the, the standard of review before us, this, this question of, of new information, you know, it's not really meant for developments that have happened since the hearing date. It's for information that had we known it on that evening this matter may have been decided differently and so the things that were presented before us clearly new information you know in a plain English meaning of the term but not uh, as far as the standard of review that's before us I think that you know these new facts they're they're encouraging I think they show some progress towards a resolution but unfortunately according to the standard before us as to whether having known this then things would have potentially turned out differently obviously there's no way to, for us to have known it back then because they happened after the hearing right and so with that uh, standard in mind um, I have to align myself with with the comments uh, made by the rest of the commissioners
1: so we have a motion
0: okay so we have a motion from president swig to deny the request on the basis that there's neither new evidence nor manifest injustice on that motion Commissioner Lopez
8: AYE.
0: COMMISSIONER TRASVINA AYE. COMMISSIONER LEMBERG AYE. SO THAT MOTION CARRIES 4 TO 0 AND THE REQUEST IS DENIED. SO WE ARE NOW MOVING ON TO ITEM NUMBER FIVE. THIS IS APPEAL NUMBER 22-059. MIHAI PUCO VERSUS DEPARTMENT OF BUILDING INSPECTION. SUBJECT PROPERTY 3621 TO VISIT Arrow STREET. APPEALING THE ISSUANCE ON AUGUST fifth, 2022 TO Shelley AND TONY Meneghetti OF AN ALTERATION PERMIT revision to permit application number twenty twenty two zero six zero eight fifty eight forty, legalize existing one hour rated window at lightwell an infill interior window frame with wood framing and 5 8 inch type x gypsum board to comply with notice of violation number 2022 89028 and this is permit number 2022 and we will hear from the appellant first and i believe she is attending remotely miss pucco you have seven minutes Can you hear me? I yes, we can hear you, and we can see you as well. my screen. Bear with me for two seconds. Okay.
9: All right. Can you guys see my screen? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, good evening, commissioners. Um, so, in two thousand, Menengadies have obtained a permit, um, and they performed a major addition to their home. They never passed final inspection, and in two thousand and two, the permit expired. You know, some would say that's a very convenient way to avoid paying increase on your property taxes, but, you know, I'm not going there. Um, Now, we have, in 2001, Menenguele's revised the permit, and they got approval to add fire-rated window inside their light well. Um, But what they did is, um, instead of following what the permit would allow them to do, they instead infilled, illegally infilled the light well, and they... um, they installed unpermitted window at the property line. That work obviously could not pass the inspection. So instead of, you know, calling the inspector for final, they just canceled the permit. So that would be this permit here. So on the next one here, um, they um, so in uh, 2022 um, to partially comply with their uh, notice of violation. They filed a permit to remove unpermitted window, rep- repair exposed siding. And that was approved and there was no issues with that permit, but not even two months later on, you can see here. Let me see. I That would be this permit here. Let me just let me zoom this in. So, Not even two months later, they filed to revise that initial permit that was approved. So now on this one here, they're legalizing um, one hour rated window and they infilling interior window frame. So unfortunately they didn't um, supply any drawings. So I'm gonna have to go by what I have um, as a a hand sketches. So the approved permit, which I have no issues with is the infill this, remove and infill this uh, permitted window. And then here would be to uh, infill this siding to match existing color and the materials. On the ones that they revised, all of a sudden you can see that siding has changed, which it hasn't obviously. And then the only small thing that they need to infill is this and they're trying to legalize the window. If you take a look at the siding, um, it is unpainted, it is rotten, there is a whole bunch of dry rot. This should never be um, approved to be legalized. Now, I'm going to move to um, AB09. And AB09 states that any building, any adjoining building that contains our occupancy uh, shall not be, if they have any opening, shall not be located closer than six feet in any directions of the opening of the adjoining building. And if you take a look here at our, so there is an opening where our window is and their um, window that they're trying to legalize were barely two and a half feet away from each other. Based on ABO 9 this should never pass um, approval and should never be given permit. But the only reason why that happened is because they did not uh, showcase the conditions between those two adjoining buildings. So the planning and the planner who actually approved this permit would have no idea that that is what's going on and there's any issues um, between those two openings. There is another... Um, issue with that is since they're trying to legalize the window now that it's being um infilled on the inside there's a three inch gap between the buildings where it's going to just end up having a whole bunch of water seeping in that's going to be sitting in there and it's going to become a huge waterproofing issues down the line between both properties and that is on the other end of that light wall. again our window is on this side here this is their window. It's barely four feet between it. Again, for AB09, that should never pass, and that should have never been approved. Um, so this is the drawing. That in red, you can see their window, and then you can see three-hour openings here. So we have a sliding door, and we have two windows on each other that is less than four or five feet from each other. Again, for AB09, that should never be approved, and it should have never been uh, legalized, There is their uh, illegal window. Um, The only thing I'm asking is for um, the illegal window to be removed completely, including the metal frame that serves absolutely no purpose for the casing to be removed and for the um, siding to be infilled per um, building code. You know, this is a very typical detail for exterior wall, one-hour fire rated wall. That is
0: all I have to say tonight. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Lemberg.
5: Thank you, Miss Um, I see all of your citations. I see all of your drawings, and I appreciate them. What I want to ask you is, what the what the essence of your complaint with this window's existence is, as it as far as it affects your day-to-day life. I think the. Um, the technicality pieces. I'm going to be relying very heavily on planning and DBI for this because I frankly don't understand a lot of what is going on in this case. Um, but I want to hear from you what, how this window is impacting your day-to-day life.
9: Um, yes. So let me let me share my screen again with you. So. First thing is, based on the ABO 9 this window should never be approved. So that is one thing that, um, you know, it is illegally approved window. My issue with this window, since they already infilling inside of that window, you can see there's a three-inch gap between the parapet wall that we had to build because it was required by fire departments. So we had no choice but to build this wall. Now there's a three-inch gap that is about 18 inches deep in when it rains, This will become a huge trap for water now if they remove this metal frame here because the window is infilled and the window doesn't exist so therefore it should not be um, legalized if they remove this frame and they remove the casing and they just infill this wall nice and flat then waterproofing between those two houses will not be an issue and we're not going to have any issues down the line because Right now, we're going back and forth on this and many other things, and um, I'm just afraid that down the line that's going to end up in lawsuits because it's going to be water intrusion, water leaks, and, you know, you know how that goes. I hope that answers your question.
0: Okay, thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Trusvina. Uh
2: thank, thank you for your, your testimony uh, this evening. Can you share with us whether you have an objection to working this out with a neighbor directly, or or whether there is a prohibition, and if so, what prohibition there would be to that precludes you or a representative from working this out with the neighbor or a neighbor's representative.
9: So I will scroll down. So we cannot work it out directly because there is a restraining order um, in place. So here, I have it here, just bear with me for two seconds. So if you take a look here, that restrained person is Tony Menengeti and Shelly Menengeti, and protected persons are myself and my husband. And the reason for that is because Tony um, came out and yelled at us and threatened us and threatened violence, so Judge um, granted restraining order. However, I reached out many times to Robin, P- Robin May from P3 Construction, and they are falsely claiming that due to restraining order, they are not able to work with us which again i'm going to show you here it's not true um bear with me for two seconds again um as you can see tony Menengedi. this is from tony Menengedi's brief he's claiming here that him or any third party associated with us which would be his um, you know construction crew cannot engage from Ms. paco meaning myself and my husband and um here's another line that he's stating is that he tony manningetti himself is reaching out to my construction crew so we are the protected party therefore he not supposed to be reaching out to us therefore if his logic is that we can talk to his construction crew under which basis is he allowed to speak with my construction crew which again that is not true the only protection here is between us and then I can speak with Robin May, I can speak with his um, attorneys and I have communicated and if there was any issues they would have brought charges between us.
2: Thank you. I, I don't want to get too much into any matter where you are represented by an attorney and you may not be at this uh, proceeding. I'm just trying to get a sense and I, I it, correct me if my impression is wrong that you yourself don't have an objection to having a representative on your behalf re- attempt to resolve this matter with a, a with a representative of the neighbor except for the existence of the uh, the potential barrier that the restraining order places upon the both of you
9: so yes so i don't have i don't have an attorney so they can speak with me directly they don't have to go through anyone else and i reached out several times to uh, Robin May and uh, their attorney, and I offered to resolve that issue, but they refused to work it out with me.
2: Thank you. I'll be asking the, the, uh, the neighbors the same question, uh, because I, I do, as noted, believe in communication, and I'm not sure whether we are the best body through which to have these communications. Perhaps, perhaps we are, uh, but if there's other ways to explore a resolution of this, I'm looking for that. Thank you
0: you're welcome thank you we will now hear from the permit holders and i believe their contractor robin may is representing them welcome miss may you have seven minutes you're on mute
10: there we go can you hear me now yes wonderful um i am working with the men on this project and i'm here to speak on their behalf um tony and shelley have lived in their home at 3621 divisadero for 26 years and they would prefer to be here to participate personally, but given the litigation against them and on their attorney's advice, they cannot be present for this hearing. Um, I would like to point out that part of this appeal applies to permit number 20220726936, which relates solely to the window and not to the current citing issues on the project. Um, As mentioned in the brief from my clients that was submitted to your panel, um, DBI issued a permit for us to resolve an NOV by infilling the window from the interior. It's a former non-opening sealed uh, steel frame, one hour fire rated light well window so that we didn't have to have any communication or access from the neighbor. Um, Per section 6A.2, of the court-ordered restraining order, any third party, anyone related to the Meningettis is prohibited from communicating with the owners of 3627 Divisadero, regardless of if they give permission to do so, or if they invite conversation. The restraining order that is in place prohibits anyone related to the Meningettis from communicating with them. Um, After receiving the the permit for the work, we completed the work, leaving the existing steel frame in place. Following the completion of the work, an appeal was filed. In short, there is no opening, um, and as the interior portion of the window has been filled in accordance with the permit issued. In the brief, the complainant discusses challenges in sealing between the the window and their recently constructed pony wall that covers 40% of the window. Um, my experience is that this, you know, this this won't be a problem, and I'm not concerned about the waterproofing. So, in addition, as our meeting uh, in response, we mentioned that the owner of 3627 had proposed in an email on March 8, 2022, to the Menengadies owners that they might seek a permit to extend the existing pony wall an additional three to four feet higher. We think it's a great idea. The Menengadies will have no objection whatsoever should the owner of 3627 want to increase the height of the pony wall that will give them control over what they're looking at and resolve other issues. Um, The other issue discussed in complaint is completely separate from this permit, as I have mentioned. Given the ongoing litigation, we are not able to inspect the area and determine whether there is an issue or not related to Uh, the siding, and importantly, if there is an issue, whether it was caused by the demolition of the second floor of 3627 Divisadero. The 2001 permits and construction did not encroach on the area, which has now been exposed. The cutout siding was not part of any work that has been done uh, at 3621 Divisadero. So it's possible that the exposed siding is the result of the demolition at 3627, and we will address this once the litigation is resolved. Um, You know, we respectfully ask for your consideration allowing my client's approved permit and completed infill to stand. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any questions? Okay, we will now hear from the Planning Department. Thank you.
6: Tina Tan once again for the planning department. 3621 Divisadero Street is a single family dwelling in the RH3 zoning district. Constructed in 1927, the property is a potential historic resource. The permit filed in July 26, 2022 amends an earlier permit that was filed on June 8, 2022. WHEREAS THE JUNE PERMIT CALLED FOR THE REMOVAL OF THE EXISTING PROPERTY LINE WINDOW. THE JULY PERMIT, WHICH IS THE PERMIT BEFORE THE BOARD TONIGHT, CALLED FOR THE RETENTION OF THE PROPERTY LINE WINDOW AND INFILLING THE WINDOW FROM THE INSIDE. THE APPELLANT, MS. PUKO, um, um, RESIDES AT 3627 divisadero WHICH IS um, THE PROPERTY DIRECTLY TO THE WEST AND um, this particular property line windows faces onto her existing light well. Ms. Pucco's preference is to have the property line window entirely removed, including the window sash and frame, and not just be infilled from the inside. She cited concerns about water intrusions and inadequate waterproofing for the window. And then she further states that um, there's a conflict between um, the window and DBI's administrative bulletin, AB009, and that there is not enough separation between the property line windows um, and her property. While the June permit did trigger planning department's review as it included removal of the window. The July permit did not, as such planning was not a party to the review of the July permit. With that, I'll turn over the presentation to DBI Inspector Kevin Birmingham to provide an overview of the building code.
1: Um, um, We haven't had a property line window, what, about a year and a half, something like that? We used to property line windows are special opportunities, folks. I'm speaking to my fellow commissioners, all of whom are new to the, to the process. Could you give us a brief tutorial on, uh, property line windows? Um, can you deal with things like, you know, uh, what is the risk of having a property line window? and when there is new construction, what quite often is the issue raised with a property line window? And then um, what can planning ask to be done to mitigate um, the situation with a property line window when, uh, when, when the subject arises in case of a, of a construction next door?
6: Thank you. From, from the planning code perspective, there isn't any um, provisions that limit property line windows. That's more of a building, building department, building code um, question. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of a new property line window, we would look at possible concerns and issues over privacy. Okay. Residential design guidelines.
1: So all the questions that I just asked really should be directed to, to building and most most importantly, uh, I think the, the thing the thing is, uh, when you build a property line window, maybe building can answer. When you build a property line window, uh, what is your what is your risk, and uh, and what happens when uh, something happens next door and somebody takes offense to or is in in uh, impacted by that property line window. SITUATION, PLEASE. THANK YOU.
4: GOOD EVENING. It's KEVIN BIRMINGHAM FOR BUILDING AGAIN. THE BIG THING WOULD BE FIRE SPREAD. uh, TO STOP THE FIRE FROM GOING FROM ONE PROPERTY TO THE OTHER, THAT IS GENERALLY WHY YOU ARE SIX FOOT APART. YOU EITHER HAVE TO PROTECT IT WITH A SPRINKLER HEAD OR MAKE SURE IT IS A FIRE RATED WINDOW SO THE FIRE WILL NOT SPREAD. Uh, In this situation, they're not trying to legalize it under AB009. They're trying to get rid of it. So it didn't trigger anything in the AB009 compliance because they're not trying to legalize it. If they didn't infill the inside, then they'd be trying to legalize it under AB009. But what they're doing is they're building a wall inside it, and that's creating the one-hour assembly to protect the fire from traveling from one building to the other. The fact that the window is still there, it's really just a weatherproofing issue at this point. It's like having siding because the assembly is inside the window. So the AB009 doesn't really come into play here.
1: Why don't you finish your presentation and then I'd like to ask you another, are you finished with the president? Yeah, name? we feel the
4: permit was properly issued. They have taken a one-hour assembly on the inside and that meets our requirements for a one-hour assembly on the property line.
1: Okay. So what I what I was struck with is if I'm the next-door neighbor, how do I feel about this? One a a, a property line window where uh, it's a window that no longer is a window but it sure looks like a window because it has a frame and it has a window, but yeah. it's but it's not a window and it also um, is kind of abusive to my my sensitivities when I'm looking at it. Um, yeah. Is this in in the in your view, um, in the view of DBI, not your view, in the view of DBI, is is this what DBI likes to see as a result? Um, does the uh, does the neighbor next door ha- have any rights when? Um, uh, when, when this type of correction is made versus, what I would anticipate and what I've seen, yeah. uh, would be the proper correction, which was the uh, complete uh, demolition of the, the window, the sash, yeah. and then a replacement of the siding, so that the property line window in fact disappears and there is no uh, history evident of, of it. Which what is the what is the proper what does what DBI like to see, and, and what would you like to have happen here?
4: Well, I mean, I think ideally you'd like to have the window removed aesthetically for the next door neighbor. But as the they have proposed, they're quite willing to let them build the wall up higher to close the window completely, and that would water, waterproof the top of the wall as well. They'd be able to control what the inside of their light well looks like. Um, technically. The window is, uh, you know, it meets the weatherproofing criteria, you know, and we can't really say, take it out, it looks ugly, unfortunately. If it was on the front of the building, we would we might have some leverage, but we don't really.
1: Right, because there's no street, street sighting. You yeah. can't see it. Um, on, the, on the issue of risk, of, of building risk because of, of water, And there is a there is a gap Gap. that wasn't there before. Um, uh, Is there is there anything DBI can recommend, implement, uh, throw a notice of violation on as as in a proactive fashion to prevent this possible?
4: Yeah, what opportunity? Um, It's a really vague area because it's Hmm? ceiling between two houses, which you know you come across the same thing up at the roof line or in the front of the building technically you shouldn't seal it off because it's not your property um, we can say we want to see a weatherproofing detail for that area um, but I, like i say the easiest thing would be to build a wall higher weatherproof it at the top with some nice flashing and you know she can match her siding or whatever her finishes are to the interior of her light well i'm not sure why they didn't take out the window and just recite it but this was you know it is a valid permit it is a one-hour assembly
1: right so what we have here it's it might be perceived as ugly as a son of a gun to some but it is legal it is legal uh it is a it is an appropriate if not if less desirable but it is an appropriate and legal fix according to the 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 permit and uh, and even if a, a complaint were filed, you would not support it with a notice of violation. No. At this point.
4: Not at this point.
1: Okay.
5: Thank you very much. Um, thank you for all these clarifications. I um, I just want to clarify a few more things because I. I, I I thought I heard you say that the the permit was not for legalization, but the permit that is in front of us most certainly is for legalization of this window, as Ms. Camp
4: stated. No, it's it's to infill the window. If they wanted to leave the window with no wall on the back side and leave it as an open window for light, then it would need to be approved under AB009. They're infilling the window. I mean... it. I'm just
5: going to read the permit here. It says, revision to permit number to legalize one-hour rated window at Lightwell and infill interior window frame with wood framing and 5 inch type gypsum board to comply with yeah. the NOV. What, what's the difference between those two things? Are, well, are those two separate actions, um, the infill and legalizing, or is it two sides of the same they, point? I think they
4: misworded it slightly. They, they should have said, leave the one-hour window in place and create the one hour assembly beso- behind it they're not if they were leaving it as a window and not creating the one hour barrier behind it then they would need to go through ab009 but since they're infilling and creating the one hour rated assembly behind it they're not technically legalized
5: okay so creating this one hour assembly behind the window does legalize it in that it makes it up to code
4: it makes it as yeah it it Let's them use the window as an exterior element in the one-hour assembly. Okay. It's as if it was siding. It might be ugly, but it is legal. Okay. Thank you. It's a strange thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Thank you. I don't think we have any other questions at this time. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here to provide public comment? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comment, so we will move on to rebuttal. Ms. Pucco, you have three minutes.
9: It's cool for me to ask the question to um, DBI.
0: Well, at this point, you're addressing the board. You have three minutes.
9: Got it. Well, um, again, I will, I will just reinstate what I said already. And I'm going to share my screen. Uh, the permit does state to legalize one hour rated window. And based on AB009, that would not be allowed. Um, robin may has made a statement that menenguedes would not have an issue with um having us build a wall but that is that is a, such a grossly misrepresented statement because um there's an email that we sent out so my husband james Smith, sent an email out uh to Sharon Nagel, who forwarded to uh, Menangetis. And it says that Tony Menangetti spoke with foreman and told him to build the wall all the way up to Manninghetti's house. So we considered that because they did approach our um, contractor and they did propose that. We followed up on it. And this is Sharon Nagel's response. The Manninghetti's do not wish to make any changes to Lightwell. So we tried it when we were in the process of actually uh, framing the house. They approached our foreman. We tried to asked if they would be willing to do that, and they said, never mind. Again, I feel strongly, and I really wish that um, DBI would consider our concerns because to have a permit that is completely to remove the window, and then all of a sudden they revise the permit without involving planning department, it is just very nice little loophole that Robin May was able to find and get permit revised and um, legalized window that has been uh, completely illegally the light well infilled and window placed in there, and now it's causing issue for waterproofing. And um, I mean, you see these images here, their plywood is completely rotten. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and and for them to say that they are unable to see that is absolutely not true because they can go on top of their building and they can see their plywood is rotten and this is a great opportunity for them to fix the house because we're willing to grant max. So that is all I have to say. Thank you again, everyone, for your time. I have,
1: I have a question. Yes, um, do you under? I want to make it clear. Uh, I I want to make it clear that I'm I'm. I am. uh, I share. I I share your personal taste with regard to what might be a better aesthetic condition. But is it clear to you uh, that what DBI just said that it is a completely legal construction, uh, despite the fact that um, it is not. It may not be aesthetically pleasing to yourselves or myself or anybody else. Is like. Are are you clear on that subject?
9: I am. I am completely clear on infill being one hour fire rated and being completely legal by the code what i'm not clear on why the revision permit is allowing window to be legalized when ab009 does not allow that that's the part that i am not clear on.
1: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna ask dbi when it's his time for rebuttal uh, to uh, make that clearer uh, to you also are you clear that it has been stated here that is testimony, <laughs> under oath, that uh, that uh, th- uh, that the um, sorry that the Menegittis would be uh, would be happy with you raising your wall. So uh, that, that what I hear is that if you went to planning, and EBI and said we need to raise our wall, uh, that it most likely it would you would change your permit to include that. Are you clear that? It's been stated here in public under oath that uh, your neighbor uh, would not get in your way of raising that wall.
9: But that's what they already said previously and
1: um, I'm just saying that's a yes or no answer because I need I need to, to hear that you that you heard what I heard.
9: I have heard but I have concern with that because
1: they uh, made the statement. I I I'm giving you a yes or no answer. So did you hear what I heard? Don't I have
11: heard that, yes. Okay,
1: great. Thanks. Thanks very much. We'll move on from there. Thanks. Thank
0: thank you. We will now hear from the permit holder, uh Robin May representing the Menigettis. Ms. May, you have three minutes. You're on mute.
10: I'm sorry, folks. Um, So I don't have a whole lot more to add. Um, I I will again reiterate the Meneghettis will have no opposition should the owners of 3627 want to raise that wall. There will be no interference by them whatsoever. Um, Beyond that, I I have no further comment.
0: Okay, thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Trisvina.
2: I have less of a question, more of an observation about the restraining order that you you have represented and the papers have represented prohibit your client from consulting or talking with the uh, with uh, the the, your your neighbor and we are again we're being brought into a situation of lack of communication and if in fact that court order does stay what it says or or the attorneys uh, for your client uh, represent that there's an absolute bar of communication it would help to have had that presented to us or that attorney to be here uh, because we are being in a sense used in a, in a role that is not uh, perfectly uh, suited for our our role and a lot of this could have been resolved had there been uh, a, 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 a willingness to resolve it among uh, be- between between the two neighbors so I, I would in- Encourage you back to your client and to the attorney to see if there is a way in which uh, these matters can be resolved without the use of, of this board, uh, where because we're we're being asked to get into some sort of extra legal issues about the 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 the, the um, quality of the wall or the t- or, or 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 the window, uh, and 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 I think it would it would help to. Uh, go back, and, and if you can resolve the issues and issues going forward um, uh, between yourselves. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Lemberg?
2: I just
5: want to piggyback off of what Commissioner Trezvina was just saying, um, and I, I obviously don't know anything about the substance of. This particular restraining order, as it was not presented uh, before us, but I can say that I represent clients in restraining orders all the time. And I've never heard of a situation where attorneys are not allowed to talk to, uh, or attorneys or other representatives, including the uh, architect in this case, would not be allowed to talk to the other party. I've never, ever heard of anything like that. Um, I practice in San Francisco Superior all the time uh, in restraining order hearings, and uh, it does not sound right to me. So I, I do encourage you to uh, see if there are alternative options available to you so that the parties can communicate, if not directly, through their representatives.
0: Thank you. Ms. Tam, we will now hear from the Planning Department. Did you want to add anything? OK, DBI, please.
4: Guys, I did want to clarify that as far as the building department is concerned, this is no longer a window. It's merely an element in the exterior wall. It is not a window. It might look like a window, but as, as far as we're concerned, it is not a window. So, Presen- therefore, presidents. it's not being legalized under AB zero zero nine. Thank you. Okay, pre- okay, okay.
1: could I ask you a brief question sure. just to allow the appellant to some peace? Um, uh, we've we have heard that the uh, the folks who own the the window which is in the window yeah. uh, have have uh, are will accept uh, the the raising of the, the wall to a higher level to obscure the window is that is in the window uh, will, will the uh, the project sponsor uh, sorry will the will the appellant have the any problem with DBI? Raising raising effort. that wall, okay, no, and and what is the does that fall under a a current a permit or? or
4: just a a doc, an acumen, uh, maybe an administrative permit to say they're raising the height of the parapet there?
1: Okay, great, very simple, very simple, simple <laughs> over the counter, non appealable, yeah. or you know it's really okay. Right. That's, that's that's what we want to hear. Thank you.
0: Thank you, commissioners. This matter submitted.
1: All right. Um, Mr. Lopez, you want to start and then I'll finish.
7: Yeah, I mean, I don't have uh, I have much to add. I think the case is pretty clear. Ugly but legal is still legal. Um, I might add that to my LinkedIn profile. That's some words to live by. But um, uh, yeah, I'd support a, a motion to deny the appeal.
2: To being Based on the representations from from planning and DPI, I would also agree on uh, the disposition of this matter as a denial.
5: I have nothing substantive to add and agree with my fellow commissioners.
1: Okay. AT THIS POINT, um, I, I HAVE NOTHING MORE TO ADD OTHER THAN JUST TO, to make, uh, MAKE THE APPEAL THAT THIS BOARD the Board OF APPEAL OFTEN MAKES TO NEIGHBORS IN DISPUTE. GUYS, YOU GOT TO LIVE NEXT TO EACH OTHER FOR THE REST OF YOUR LIVES. SO PLEASE TRY TO KISS AND MAKE UP. Um, WHAT I'VE HEARD HERE IS, YES, THERE'S A, IT LOOKS LIKE A WINDOW, FEELS LIKE A WINDOW, BUT IT ISN'T A WINDOW LEGALLY, BUT IT IS LEGAL. And uh, so there, there are no issues there. There is an opportunity to cure um, by the appellant, which is to raise the wall. Um, we have heard from DBI that there should be no issues related to raising that wall. So there is a cure, uh, even though the, the aesthetic on the, other, from the next door neighbor won't be fixed. And also a potential building issue related to the rotting of their own exterior wall might in fact occur. Yeah, but you, but you've given them the opportunity, you put them on notice, they're not accepting your advice. So that's just the way it goes. Uh, but we, we on this body always try to promote harmony, recognition that you are neighbors, and uh, we encourage you to um, do what you can to repair. And so uh, with that, uh, Mr. Lopez, would you like to make the motion? Sure,
7: I'll move to deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued.
0: Okay, we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, Commissioner Trasvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries four to zero and the appeal is denied. We are now moving on to item number six. This is appeal number 22-060, Lisa Gautier versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property, 95 St. Germain Avenue. Appealing the issuance on July 28, 2022 to Victoria Yi of a site permit. Add elevator to front, add car lift, necessitating bump up of garage, add decking stone to the top of the garage roof. This is permit number 2015 903 and we will hear from Mr. Brian Russell, who is the attorney for the appellant. Welcome, Mr. Russell, you have seven minutes.
12: Thank you. Good evening, members of the board. My name is Brian Russell. I'm an attorney, and I work with the law firm of Hanson and Bridget. Uh, My colleague, Emily Charlie, has joined us via Zoom. Emily handled the litigation uh, regarding the easement on this matter, so she can answer any questions, technical questions or otherwise, regarding the litigation. Uh, Lisa and Patrice Gauthier live directly adjacent to the YI residence at 95 St. Germain Avenue. How do I show, have they seen this? Yes. Uh, so as you can see here, they have a shared stairwell and um, they live directly next to one another. The easement itself goes from one side of the stairwell to the other side from the street, all the way to the front door of each of their homes. Uh, The Yees and the Goutiers have a 10-foot wide easement extending from the shared property line, five feet in either direction for pedestrian use and for use, maintenance, and repair of a shared elevator. There's the easement. It's five feet on either side of the property line and that allows for pedestrian use as well as repair and maintenance of the easement. Uh, for the for the elevator. So the existence and location of the easement area is undisputed by the parties. The scope of the easement is further confirmed in the May 20th, 2020 Superior Court judgment that we provided to you. In that judgment, it said the yees and all persons acting for, on behalf, or in concert with the yees shall be and are hereby permanently enjoined from interfering with the Gutierrez right, title, and interest in the easements and within the easement area, including, but not limited to, the Gutierrez access, use, repair, and maintenance of any elevator permitted by the city within the easement area. So the easements grant a right of pedestrian use, whether or not in connection with the elevator use, maintenance, or repair. So the judgment was provided to the Board of Appeals for two reasons. First, it was to provide this board with notice of the recorded easement and of the Superior Court's judgment, including its express prohibition of any interference with the easement. The second reason was to assure the board that the Yees are well aware of the easement and the legal obligations of the easement. So the Yees have made the Board of Appeals decision very easy. This should be straightforward, because the Yees have admitted on their plans that they encroach into the easement area. In fact, in the Yees brief, stated on page six, they quote, 2.75 inches extends from the Yee's current exterior wall into the Yee's own stairwell space, which is encroaching into the easement. Any extension by the Yee's into the easement, whether it is 2.75 inches or 10 feet, is a violation of the easement. It is undisputed by both parties that the plans that were submitted encroach into the easement area. As you can see, hopefully uh, it's bigger on your screens, the red area circled signifies that two and three-quarters inches goes into the easement area in violation of the easement. So the city has no legal authority to permit an encroachment upon known rights of another property owner. Section 175B of the San Francisco Municipal Code states that no such application, permit, or license shall be approved or issued by any city department for the construction, reconstruction, enlargement, alteration, relocation, our occupancy of any structure if the construction or other activities would that would be authorized by the requested permit or license would not conform in all respects to this code. So furthermore, we'd like to address the issues, or we'd like to address the Yee's argument that the judgment allows the Yee's to encroach into the easement area. It does not. The Yee's erroneously cite to a previously allowed temporary maintenance and repair equipment allowance that allows certain equipment to be within the easement area. The subject judgment language states, the yees have trespassed upon the good property and within the easement area by engaging in acts that exceed the scope of the easements, interfering with the easements. It is further ordered that the yees and all persons acting on behalf or for in in concert with the yees shall be in hereby and permanently enjoined from trespassing or creating a nuisance by placing any item whatsoever within the easement, and/or spray painting or otherwise marking the easement. There are three exceptions against this prohibition. The easement may place one doormat and four walking sticks within the two feet of the of the door. The maintenance and repair equipment being used for jointly agreed upon work conducted pursuant to the easements, and maintenance and repair equipment, which is this is the one they're using, to permit a construction to the yeas exterior property wall abutting easement abutting the easement area with such equipment remaining for no more than 10 days total or such reasonable additional time identified by a professional contractor as necessary upon the nature and extent of the construction. So careful review of the provision confirms that this was an exception that allowed temporary construction items in the easement during the permitted construction, not a right to expand permanently into the easement area. By using this language to, and mis- uh, quoting the judgment to try to justify the encroachment, this is a disingenuous argument that has no merit. So, finally, the Yee's try to make an argument that these are that the city can make reasonable modifications. The Gutierrez um, have have a valid easement, and the city does not have any right, unless does not have any right to encroach upon another property's owner's rights by uh, permitting this type of uh, permit. Finally, the yees have admitted that they are asking to build within the easement. This is a violation of the easement. The validity of the easement has been confirmed by the Superior Court. With this knowledge, the seat is not having legal authority to issue a permit in violation of a property owner's property rights. In the judgment, there is not an exception which allows the, easement, the yees to build or encroach into the easement oh, area. Seconds and if the city issues a permit that knowingly allows the encroachment into an existing easement, this would establish a bad precedent for the city and that action by the city could be considered a legal taking. As a result, we respectfully request the denial of permit two zero one five zero nine zero three six zero four eight. Thank you.
0: Thank you, we have a question from President Swig, then Commissioner Lemberg.
1: Sure. Um, I don't have a question directly for the council. I have a question for Mr. Givner. I think is there, uh, uh, I, I'm joined on the panel tonight by three talented and licensed lawyers. I'm not one, so that's why I lean heavily on uh, the city attorney. Um, Mr. Givner, can you give our panel some direction at this point, please? Uh, I've, uh, this is my second bite at this apple. I was here when uh, we ruled on the variance. Um, so I'm familiar with the, the site and some discussions from the past. But um, this this went from our variance uh, decision uh, to the courts. Uh, the courts made a decision. We've all read it in the, the documentation. Can you give um, my uh, three compatriots and myself some direction as to can we do anything on this tonight or are we under the jurisdiction of a court ruling and although we have a a wide range of uh, powers and flexibility, um, we might not be that wide ranging and may not have that level of flexibility and I would like to have your opinion on uh, what exactly we can do tonight so we don't go down a wrong path and do something which is not under our jurisdiction.
13: Thank you, Commissioner Swig. Uh, John Giffner, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, as, as you know, the primary dispute in this matter involves the interpretation of the Superior Court judgment um, and whether it permits the ease to to encroach into the easement area or to to build a portion of their elevator in the easement area um, the each of the parties has a view on the proper interpretation of the order um, you've just heard the gautiers i'm sure the ease council will will provide their view as well uh, if the board determines that the order uh doesn't that the order isn't clear um, because the two parties are, are both making reasonable arguments interpreting the order, uh, the most appropriate step would be for the parties to seek, um, seek further review by the court as to or further um, clarification of the order by the court as to how it applies to this particular permit. Um, in that case, this board would have a few options if you if you reach that conclusion one would be uh, to deny the appeal because the permit was issued not clearly um, inconsistent with the court's order. Another would be to continue this matter uh, while the parties seek clarification or review by the court uh, to to further clarify the court's judgment.
1: Okay, so uh, what you're saying is it may be advisable uh, to pay attention to the court order, take a preemptive step a uh, pre- preemptive step with the consideration that we shouldn't touch this until um, the parties go back to the court to get clarification on the court's view of uh, of this direction in consideration of the court's finding, correct? That's right. Okay. That's what I wanted everybody to hear before we get into the swamp and find out there's, we went alligator hunting and there ain't no alligators. Okay, thank you, I'll uh, defer to uh, Commissioner Lemberg.
5: Thank you, I have a very narrow question. Was the court judgment uh, recorded? Yes, it was. Okay, thank you.
0: Question from Vice President Lopez. For this exact purpose,
12: obviously, (laughs) to notify all the parties, including your own, that the easement exists and it's valid and it shouldn't be violated. Thank you.
7: Uh, yeah, my question is also for, for Mr. Givner. Are you still there? Yes. Uh, just one clarification on what uh, what you just provided us. May we issue uh, you know findings based on the four corners of the permit, or do we have to take into account the the order.
13: Uh, I will say both parties agree that the, the dispute here is about is about whether the the permit is consistent with the order. Um, and as the appellant pointed out, uh, there could be issues if the if the order clearly prohibits um, construction in the easement area uh, and the and the city allows that um, so uh, I do think that the the court's order itself um, that the board should take it, take into account and consider the court's order itself.
7: Got it. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Trusvenia? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Russell. I'm, I'm not sure whether this question should be posed to you or whether to the Deputy City Attorney. But uh, I'll start with you. The, the easement area itself that pre-exists the court order, correct? Yes. So... Uh, to, I sorry, th- to,
12: to clarify, it was issued by the previous builder. The, the original builder built both houses at the same time and created that easement at the time of construction. Um, subsequently, the, the owners that currently own the properties obviously inherited the easement because the easement runs with the land.
2: So I... I, I I, I realize that about the easement. Is, is there a difference between the easement and the easement area? There is not. The court order? So, and I, I'm wondering, now I turn to either the city attorney or to President Swig, are we able to make any determination based upon the easement area, irrespective of the court order?
1: It's a good question for the city attorney.
13: sure um deputy city attorney john gibner again um i think the the appellant's position is the easement and and i i should let the let the uh permittee speak for themselves but i believe the appellant's uh position is that the easement and the easement area are the same um that the the court's order did not change the party's rights to, to encroach on or build in the easement area. Um, but I believe the E's position is the court order did authorize uh, the E's to build within the, the um, footprint of the staircase.
2: Well, my impression oh. thus far, and it's always advisable to hear both sides before articulating any impression. Uh, But I believe there's a possibility that we could, should we decide, uh, to, we could resolve this matter even if we take the yeast version of the court order um, and it would be this, and we would not have to really interpret, well I guess we would be interpreting the court order, uh, but it seems clear under Almost any scenario um, that there seems to be only one valid interpretation of, of the easement area. Uh, let's hear I've- the let's hear further testimony, and
1: then uh, from the other side, and then the, the rebuttal and some commentary from the uh, the the city departments, and we can pursue that conversation during that during all that all that stuff. Thank, Thank, you. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the permit holders, and I believe Ms. Sybil Rennick is the attorney representing them. Welcome. You have seven minutes.
11: Thank you. Good, e- good evening, uh, commissioners. I appreciate uh, the questions that you've been presenting to the city attorney because I do think that that is helpful given that we have this prior court order on this, but I do want to go back to, as Commissioner Josephina was talking about, that I'm not sure that that has to come into play as well, given that this, this the permit's been issued um, and it's been approved and there, we have, yes, we can say that we have different interpretations of a court order. Um, obviously, the ye's position is that the Gaudier's have a very unreasonable interpretation of the court order. The court order dealt with placing personal items like umbrellas, flags, cones, things like that into the easement area. It never was considered to be dealing with the the exterior wall of the property itself needing to expand a little bit into their own stairwell area, which the court order absolutely says that the ease can do um, can repair their stairs. The Gaddies were fully aware that the Aggies were going to be putting in a new elevator into their home and this plan has been going on for years and years. And they have kind of tried to stop this along the way, fighting the variants and things that were approved along the way till we got here. Um, so now we're talking about you know 2.75 inches that extends into their own stairwell area when, the corridor order also has a very clear exception for permitted construction and we have the permit so and this was always the intention of that order and moving forward so that the ease could move forward with their construction they just could not be able to place personal items and no trespass signs and umbrellas and flags and things like that within within the easement area and that was the whole spirit and an, and what was what was happening with this prior court order? So, you know, these, um so it's use position that the Gaudiers have misinterpreted and taking and are taking an unreasonable position with respect to what the prior court order says. The permit has been issued, um, and the the appeal should be their appeal should be denied. And I, I suppose if the Gaudilliers want to take it back up with the court, they're certainly free to do so.
0: Thank you. Are you finished? Yes. Okay. Do we have any questions? Commissioner Is it your?
2: Uh, I thank you for your presentation. Is it your testimony that the court order applies only to temporary matters that are in the, that are on the steps and in the easement and not a permanent encroachment?
11: No, and nor do we actually consider an encroachment, but I do agree that it's an expansion into the easement area. Um, But no, that it's not something, is it our position that it's temporary? Yes, like umbrellas or personal items that it would not pertain to something permanent that's been permitted construction um, and for that matter, if we were to accept the Gaudier's position painting on the exterior wall exterior wall could encroach you know at half a millimeter you know or something and that would technically in their position be an encroachment and so they can't ever paint their property. Or put siding on there, which we know siding will need to be done with their construction, which would be a centimeter or so, because um, of insulation. And so we're, I just feel that we, you know, the use this position that the Gaudiers are presenting is just completely untenable based on what the court order actually says and was dealing with.
2: Okay. And, and taking to the other. Extent you, you, you were saying uh, even a minimal, uh, the, 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 the depth of the painting would technically violate the order. On what do you base, either from the court order or from the, or from the codes, that two and three-quarter inches expansion is allowable, but not? But the, how far does that go? A foot? <coughs> two feet?
11: Fair, fair enough, it, it does extend the two and 7.5 inches, does only extend into the stairwell area of these property and their stairwell, the footprint of their stairwell does not need to be increased at all. And it does not impact the free space that is available for you know, an elevator that used to be there in between the properties that's no longer gonna be there and apparently it's gonna be a dumbwaiter that the Gaudiers have decide, decided to put in there, which again is not a passenger elevator. And you know, the yees are um, really need this elevator and have been fighting for this elevator for a long time so that they can safely age in place. But, but yes, the, the point is it's only going in 2.75 inches into their own stairwell area. And the court order specifically says that they're free to repair their stairs, and they have 41 inches for their stairs. The yees can do whatever they want with their stairs within this 41 inches. They can't place personal items like no trespass signs or flags and all that that the Gaudiers apparently don't like. And and that's fine.
2: So my my final question then is, in your view, or your client's view, 2.75 inches is allowable. It's 41 inch staircase how between 2.75 and 41 where where is where where is the limit
11: well um I could I do have our architect here um, Mike uh, Garavaglia and I think he would like to to answer that but I will just say um, that Mike I believe is gonna say that we have designed that he has designed this elevator to be as tight as possible um, and to make it fit they the ease even accommodated prior concerns by the Gaudiers by rotating the elevator so that the variance actually came back within came back one foot um, that the they had approval for that variance yeah, they, they did ra- that, the, that brought it in 2.7 Yeah, yeah
2: I read the material <laughs> that you presented and I'm sensitive to the medical needs of the of your clients and and um, the changes that have been made I'm just w- wondering as, a, as either as a legal matter is is there a is there an expansion that would be that would you would say that's not appropriate under the order uh,
8: Michael Garavaglia I'm the uh, architect for the project um, you would never be able to uh, extend the elevator uh, to minimize the the three-foot minimum egress width. so a minimum three-foot-wide stair would have to be maintained. We are not talking about doing any of that. As Sybil said, we're, we we had some clearances that were absolute minimums um, for for accessibility clearances that that created the situation in the first place. The original uh, variance actually did extend, I think it was 18 inches, into that easement area. That's, we've pulled way back on that and minimized the uh, the you know the um, extension into the area.
2: Thank you.
11: And I guess just to get to your point, also, or to answer your question too, is that um, I understand your hypothetical, um, but we are dealing with permitted construction, and we have this is what we have. It's permitted for to the two point seven five inches. We haven't sought, or nor um, can we discuss whether whether. Construction beyond that would ever even be permitted in the first place. So I, it's hard to answer that hypothetical along those lines Although I do understand where you're coming from.
0: Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the planning department
6: Thank you Tina Tam for the planning department 95 St. Germain um, Avenue is a two-story over garage single-family dwelling in the RH1D zoning district constructed in 1979. The property is not a historic resource. The history behind this project is long. Um, It's been to the Board of Appeals twice as well as to the Planning Commission. Here's a brief timeline of the project. In December 2014, the property owner of 95 St. Germain filed a variance application to build a new three-story elevator and a new garage and to make other facade alterations. The new elevator and, structure and the garage structure encroach into the required front setback, so a front setback variance was required. In September of 2015, Zoning Administrator Scott Sanchez held a public hearing, um, and on January, um, In 2016, Mr. Sanchez issued a denial decision on the variance, finding that the proposed project did not meet all five findings outlined in Section 305 of of the Planning Code. Specifically, the proposed garage was too big, too tall, and incompatible with the neighborhood character. In February of 2016, the property owner filed an appeal to the Board of Appeals protesting the denial of the variance. Between the time the appeal was filed and when the board held their first of two public hearings on the appeal, there were discussions between Mr. Sanchez and the project team. These discussions led to changes to the proposed project, resulting in a more compatible design. Specifically, the garage was reduced in height from 17 feet to 14 feet, and the roof deck above the garage was removed. By the time the Board of Appeals met for their first hearing, July 19, 2017, Mr. Sanchez had reversed his position and stated that he was in support of the variance because the design was revised. At the same hearing, the neighbors to the west, 99 St. Germain, um, stated that the new, new elevator and garage will cause privacy, light, and view impacts to her property, as well as violate the share easement. To be clear, the easement, which is 10 feet wide and includes the area where the shared elevator was once located and stairs for 95 and 99 St. Germain was created when the two properties were developed in 1979. This easement is a private easement, not a public one. Questions about how this easement was used or will be used, maintained, or enforced is a civil matter between the two neighbors and not for the planning department. In the attempt to allow time for the two neighbors to resolve the easement issue um, that was brought up at the appeal hearing, the board continued the hearing. In November of 2017, the Board of Appeals held their second hearing and voted 5 to 0 to grant the appeal and overrude the denial of the variance by the ZA. The board then directed the ZA to issue the variance on the condition that the permit and the plans be revised to reflect the reduced size of the garage. Plans were submitted and they were dated February 8th and that's part of the decision of the board. The board adopted the findings that read, quote, the proposed garage will be 14 feet in height, three feet shorter than the previously proposed garage, and the, the proposed deck above the garage will be removed. In October 2018, during the neighborhood notification period for the building permit, the neighbor at 99, Mrs. Gaultier filed a discretionary review. In February of 2019, the Planning Commission held their public hearing and voted 6 to 0 to not take DR and approve the project. During the remainder of 2019 and 2020, the two neighbors engaged in civil litigation Um, about the easement and I believe based upon the appeal briefs um, there was some sort of quiet title and possibly settlement. In July 2022 the building permit was issued and August 10th Mr. Mrs. Galtier filed an appeal to this permit. While the planning department is in support of the project we do believe additional changes are needed to comply with the conditions outlined in the 2017 variance decision by the Board of Appeals. In specific, the 2017 variance decision was explicit that there is no roof deck on top of the garage. The permit before you shows a garage um, with a roof deck, and therefore was issued in error and needs to be revised. As for the easement issue, the department once again asserts this is a private matter between the two neighbors, and the city is not a party to the easement. So the planning department do not have a role in deciding what is okay or not okay with regards to the easement. The proposed project is located within the meets and bounds of the subject property. The planning department reviewed the project under the planning code. And as I explained earlier, a variance was granted in 2017. The new elevator jets into the stairs of 95 St. Germain appears to be a few inches, 2.75 to be exact. and will not encroach into the area where the old elevator used to be. I understand from DBI that old elevator has been demolished. In the future, should Ms. Gaultier wish to replace or rebuild the shared elevator in the same location, she can, because the proposed project at 95 St. Germain will not prevent her or limit her from doing so. There will be enough room for both elevators. The planning department recommends that the board grant the appeal and approve the project on the condition that the plans be revised to show no roof deck above the garage.
0: That concludes my presentation. Thank you. President Swick has a question.
1: So if the judge meant, if the judge, who we're all sitting here trying to interpret and do play ESPN, that is, you know, what they used to do on the Johnny Carson show, Let's, uh, let's see what's in the envelope, and I'll guess. So if, if we're guessing wrong, uh, and the judge meant to be firm that there's no encroachment, um, and you discovered that information to be true, what is your feeling about your permit?
6: Thank you for that question. You would scoot
0: the elevator in to 2.75 inches
6: into the garage.
1: Thank you. That's the answer I was looking for.
0: Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection.
4: Uh, I agree with Mrs. Tam. It is a civil issue. Uh, The um, roof deck does need to be addressed and removed from the approved set of drawings. If the elevator is moved, we're fine with that.
1: Okay. Thank
0: you. We have a question from Commissioner Transylvania. Sorry.
2: So if this were a property that didn't have a court order, there would not be any problem, there would not be of, any a, problem. of a of yeah. a
4: wall expanding it into, the stairwell. into the stairs enough to, to create a problem for us. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here to provide public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comments, so we'll move on to rebuttal. Mr. Russell, you have three minutes.
12: Thank you. Um, so once again, as I said in my original uh, comments, the yees have made your decision really simple. They've admitted that there's an encroachment, they've admitted that there's a, in, that, that the judgment is valid, and it was pla- you've been placed on notice that the judgment is valid and that there is an existing easement. What we recommend is that you deny the permit now that you have notice of this. Tell them to revise their permit to go outside of the easement area. It's really simple. Don't make us go back to court to enforce it. You have knowledge of this. Go and and give that power. Because at the end of the day, the city isn't, you know, we don't want to make you interpreters of of the judgment itself. So the simple solution is to deny it, Have them go back and either revise their plans or go to court to say that we can build this within the within the area because they have not they have not given you legal proof that they have the the ability to do this. Moreover, if the city acts to approve the permit, knowing that it's encroaching into the easement area, this could potentially trigger uh, this building permit into a a discretionary permit and CEQA would be triggered. And under that, a whole other standard would be applied to this project. And um, so go from ministerial to discretionary, and you know, a whole other standard of legal uh, ramifications would occur. So the best solution, once again, is to deny the building permit as submitted, tell them to revise their permit, get it out of the easement area, and we can all move forward with a, with a better solution. It's 2.75 inches. I feel like you can make a, a very simple solution here. So at the end of the day, the building department is not aware of the encroachment but now they are and this is why this body is here is to catch the catch the issue say go fix your problem and 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 so that we're we're satisfied they're satisfied they're building their elevator inside of their property lines outside of the easement area and we we'll, we won't bother them and that's a simple solution that doesn't require me and their attorney to get involved and go fight in the courts over and over again because we've been doing this for for multiple years spending they have spent a lot of money trying to enforce this easement. And, and, the, and the Yees have denied that, that the judgment exists. They've been held in contempt of court um, because they haven't, they haven't followed the easement um, in the judgment. And, you know, finally, we're, we're tired seconds. of this. We're tired of having to justify something that exists, is valid, and is recorded against the property. So your body, the city, and the Yees are all aware of this. Thank
2: you.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Tresvigna has a question.
2: Uh, just, just briefly, I'd like to echo a question that one of my colleagues asked in, a, in an earlier case this evening. Can you state for us the harm uh, in, in addition to or other than the rule of law, et cetera, and the respect for the, the Superior Court's uh, order, what the harm of the 2.75 inches is to your client? Absolutely. So as, as you identified
12: in the pictures, uh, the, the Gautiers had designed an elevator as well. They wanted to build an elevator within the easement area. They asked the Yee's if they could expand uh, literally two inches and to build a more feasible um, elevator that is, um, that is wheelchair accessible, as these guys are looking to do on their property. We went back and forth with the Yee's. The Yee's denied our request. And this was a shared elevator that would be used by both parties. So once again, we're not being unreasonable. We don't wanna be here. We don't wanna be doing this. We've gone through these acts over and over again for years. So that's the harm, is that we've tried to get this done with them, and they have denied our request to, to add two inches to the, to, to the easement area to build it, uh, an elevator that's wheelchair accessible, and they've denied it. So you know, once again, at the end of the day, the easement area is the easement area, and both parties need to respect it in order to, in order to be, you know, valid, and for us to be good neighbors at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the permit holder, Ms. Rennick. Uh, you have three minutes.
11: Thank you. Um, just as an initial matter, uh, based on Ms. Tam talking about. Uh, the a rooftop revision that was supposed to be made to the plans. It's our understanding, the plans um, that were submitted for the permit had the rooftop or roof deck over the garage. Those were removed and it's our understanding this just happened and we just learned this in the last day or two that apparently the prior version of the plans got stamped with approval for the permit. So the actual plans that should have been been uh, stamped for approval. Have the roof deck uh, portion removed. So there's that. That does not change anything regarding the 2.75 inches um, into the easement area, though. Uh, that w- is the same in both plans. Um, I urge the the board to let the the permit stand. The planning department says the permit should stand. They've issued the permit. The They've gone through this years and years and we've addressed all of their issues throughout this process in, in getting these plans designed and submitted so that we can move forward. I will note that this is a site permit, it's not a building permit yet, um, but we, the, the board should let the, the, the permit go forward and deny the appeal. I did not really hear any harm to the guardiés the when when you asked that question, Commissioner Chisabina. Um They they brought up a, a separate issue regarding a, another elevator in the easement area. It's not going to be a passenger elevator. It doesn't give access to um, the the units. It's and so whether there was squabbling over what can happen there or not, um, I I don't see how that has anything to do with 2.75 inches into the Yee's own stairwell space for their elevator or even a millimeter of space in, for, it can, you know, siding or painting on their exterior wall. The court judgment was never intended. It's so clear it, it had nothing to do with with that kind of issue it had to deal with personal items being placed in the easement area such as as i mentioned before so thank you and i uh, urge the board to deny the appeal thank Thank
0: you you. we have a question from commissioner lemberg for you
5: thank you um the alternative proposal that presented by uh appellant council regarding moving the Encroachment into your client's garage. What is you and your client's opinion on that? Because it sounds inherently feasible to me, but I want to hear your side of that story.
11: Well, that's why we have our expert architect here as well. Every option, I believe, um, he will say, has been looked at. And as I mentioned earlier, they have done whatever they can to make this elevator fit as tightly as possible and so that...
8: It, that it can work. Um, please, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Mike you again. Um, the, the shared elevator does not, could not function for Mrs. Yee's disability. First, she'd have to go out of the garage, inclement weather, and get in an elevator that's never going to be large enough for her to actually enter with a wheelchair that's not wide enough space, Period. And I'm sure that the building department can confirm that the accessibility requirements um, could not be met in those kinds, plus your egress could not be met in those spaces. Number two, that elevator goes up to a landing that goes to the front doors. There's a step at the front door. It does not extend up to the top floor, and thus does not provide accessibility to the the used residents. The elevator that has been designed is entered in the garage with the privacy of their own garage, can access every the the living floors, living space floors of the building. There's a utility level that's not accessed by the elevator, uh, and provides uh, the accessibility accommodation that the variance was based on for a disability and for the use of their property to age in place. Very simple.
5: I, I f- still feel like that doesn't re- fully answer my question because what the point brought up by appellant's counsel was. Moving the elevator 2.75 inches tore into the the your client's property. Um, what if if that if that option were to be taken? Why would that prevent the elevator from functioning as intended?
8: Yep, it, two inches will never make it clear for a, for wheelchair access. Plain and simple. There's not enough space within that zone. A 10-foot area minus uh, the two six-foot, I'm sorry, uh, the, the existing staircases does not leave enough space for an accessible elevator, period. Two, uh, and two inches did not make a difference to get wheelchair in a wheelchair accessible elevator, period. We looked at it.
5: But I, I, I feel like the entire premise of your arg- of your argument is that the two point seven five inches is what makes the difference. No,
8: no, that's a different. The, the two point seven five inches is the is the tightest we could get from the, the car lift that was approved for inside the garage. It's a two car garage. They, they're putting a car lift in, so the me- the mechanism requires clearance from that mechanism to get out of the out of the car. And then pass the elevator to come into the to to the front of the elevator, and then go up up into the into the building. The elevator has mechanisms that have to be installed. There are minimum size platforms. There's structure that has to be engaged. So there's clearance issues that that have forced that elevator into that zone. So, hmm. as best we can tell, it's it's 2.75 inches max.
5: Okay, thank
11: you. Thank you. Sorry, I would just wanted to reiterate it's it's the wheelchair clearance to to get into the elevator. Okay.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department.
6: <laughs> Thank you, Tina Tam, for the planning department. I don't have a whole lot to add, other than to just make sure that I put on record. There are multiple email records between DBI staff, planning staff, and the project architect about the roof deck. Um, There's a confirmation from the architect saying, yes, we made the revisions to 95 St. Germain to to coordinate with Board of Appeals drawings. We have removed the roof deck. Um, The plans that I have for the appeal tonight shows a roof deck. So just want to make sure that what we 're going to be asking for is for you to grant the appeal and issue the permit on the condition that the roof deck be removed
1: and that and that would that would assume now we're getting in contradictory ter- uh, territory that would assume that you're you're reading the mind of the judge at this moment and assuming the judge says you can go two and three quarters inches into the uh, into the easement, and that's what kind of bothers me. Okay. But When I, when you said that if you knew that the judge, let me make, let me clear, I'm, I, make it clear. Sure,
6: I'm not the architect, so I'm just going to try to talk my way through what I think I yeah. understand your question no, may No, My
1: my question is the same as it was before, but it's just a little bit different spin.
6: I can you're, I have the you, overhead?
1: All right. You're 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 saying, forget the uh, the the garage. You're absolutely right. All right. Uh, that that was a bad oversight. Um, and we don't like that at the Board of Appeals when we rule in one way and then, uh, then uh, plans are are filed that are in abuse of what we ruled on. Um, second of all, uh, but it's the easement tonight is the, the conversation. In the, in the previous testimony, I, I, I asked you, I think, if you found out that the judge had ruled that that easement is the easement, no intrusion, you would not you would not uh, approve a permit, is that what you said?
14: I. Uh,
1: and now you're you're saying, well, you don't you don't really know what the judge uh, did or not, but you, you'd you'd recommend approval of the permit with the intrusion of the two and three quarter inches.
6: Well, I'm not making any comments about the easement. You asked the question about what happens if there's a an order that says you cannot encroach into the easement right. of any sort, whether it's right. an inch, two and a half, or 2.75 inches, right. what, what would you recommend? And My answer to you was, well, then if you still want the elevator, to perhaps try to shift the elevator into the garage area.
1: Right. And, and if, you, if you knew clearly that it was the judge's intention that that, that easement was that easement, mm-hmm no encroachments allowed at that point, would you, uh, would you allow a permit to occur? Neil, you, the answer has to be no. Yes.
6: Yes, because it complies was- with the planning code either, in either scenario, whether it encroaches 2.75 into the steer of the 95-cent dermine property or it doesn't.
1: So uh, this is where I'm getting confused. Judge says, this is the easement. That's it you can't encroach, this is where I was asking, I I gotta get clarity from the city attorney, whose jurisdiction rules here? Is it the judge's jurisdiction that the the, the, the easement is the easement and any encroachment into the easement in a physical fashion that is an expansion is in breach of uh, the judge's motion? Or can planning come and say, You know uh, yeah we know what the judge says but but we can do whatever the heck we want to it it
6: certainly sounds like a private matter um Uh, i'm not a lawyer i'm not the lawyer for the 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 city um i would think that the appellant who has a lawyer would go ahead and approach the city and say hey we have this order from the judge that says no absolutely no easement uh, or encroachment into the easement and therefore a revised Permit needs to be filed that shows full clearance of this easement, okay. and we would review that permit. This
1: is, this is what I was worried about at the very beginning, which is why I asked city attorney, and I'm going to get the city attorney involved a little later on, as to we're, we're going to talk ourselves in circles because we're missing kind of one guy here or a woman. I don't know what the judge was. Uh, we, we're, we're missing clarity as to what that judge really was rigid on and not. So we're talking ourselves in circles. But it's good to hear your points of view.
0: Thank okay. you. Commiss- Commissioner Leberg has a question.
5: Thank you. Um, regarding the permit holder attorney's um, contention that it was mistaken permit submitted that accidentally had the roof deck, the ones you have have the roof deck, as you've shown us. Um, if the permit holders went to planning tomorrow and submitted updated plans, would that negate the need for us to follow your advice and grant the appeal on that ground?
6: Um, if, If for the roof deck that is just for
5: the roof deck Yes. just for the roof
6: deck if if the if the project sponsor and architect wish to go well, I really want that roof deck I need to have it then they would need a
5: new variance that's not what i meant if they submitted plans without the roof deck entirely if they just omit the roof deck commissioner lumberg
0: they can't do that the permit's suspended right now and the matter's before the board so the board would have to modify okay. the permit and adopt uh, revised plans
5: okay thank you that was my question <clears throat> sorry <laughs>
2: Okay. before you leave Ms. Tam I, I'm, I'm following along your conversation with President Swig and it appears it's clear you're saying this is a private matter between the two houses on St. Germain Avenue and I'm, I'm thinking what happens after we make Whatever decision we make this evening, if the uh, homeowner, the 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 non-elevator constructors go back to court and say this 2.75 inches expansion is a violation of the judge's court order, and the judge agrees and issues a new order and the attorney from Hanson Bridget comes back to you with that court order, is that enough to convince the city that there's a problem or does it come back here? Does it go to the city attorney?
6: I'm not sure I can answer that. I'm not, I'm not perhaps that's a better question for the city attorney. Um, if, if you choose to go ahead and approve the permit tonight, that permit does move forward and they do the project team does have the the ability to start construction on their project and I don't know how long something like litigation, court, judge how long that takes, it's a timing thing. Okay. I'm not sure I can answer
2: that. I guess I guess your answer is you would if you were given that scenario, you would call the city attorney and let him or her handle it. I would. Okay. Thank you.
0: Vice President Lopez has a
7: question. Just one one point of clarification I think. It would help, at least in my mind. Sorry, uh, it would help me uh, examine this a little bit better. From your perspective, the, you know, agnostic stance that you're taking is because this is a private easement, right? So if this was a public easement, then that would change the framing entirely. And you would be commenting not just on the four corners of the permit, but rather taking that easement encroachment into consideration. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: Thank you. Good question.
0: Thank you. Uh, We will now hear from department building inspection.
4: The one thing I would say, is that it, he's not really specifying what elevator it is, what car lift it is. We would like to see some kind of a schematic exactly laying out the clearances that he's saying he can't achieve because just a quick look over the plans, it, it looks like they should be able to scoot it in two and a half inches without really affecting anything. The door on the garage is clearly away from the clearance area, so... If he does want to hang his hat on that, we'd like to see a very specific schematic with exact equipment they plan on using and the clearances required. You know, I think that would be reasonable. Okay.
0: Right. Thank you. Commissioners, this matter is submitted.
4: Commissioners with your
1: permission, I'd like to, to start because I need to involve the city attorney and that'll help us a lot. I think um, Mr. Givner, it, it seems. Sorry, Mr. Uh, Commissioner Lindberg. I saw you put your request up, but um, so, uh, Mr. Givner, uh, it seems like we got we have three options. Um, we uh, up, uphold the appeal. No, sorry, deny the appeal, always get confused on this. Julie always helps me, but I'm going to give three options, Julie. Let me
0: just interject. If you yeah. deny the appeal, the plans that have been approved are not in compliance with the variance decision or the NSR that was filed on the property. Exactly. So that isn't really an option.
1: So the, uh, deny the appeal is not an option. at, at de- Denying the appeal is not, not an, an option. Okay. Correct. All right. Thank you. So that's that takes care of one. Um if if we approve the project, um, if we no so if we if we move and, and uphold the appeal, uh, then we uphold the appeal uh, with the conditions that the roof deck uh, revert back to that the plans be redesigned or uh, redone to reflect uh, the variance decisions and and other legalities that. Um, Ms. Rosenberg just uh, advised us, and and we don't and we don't touch the uh, the two and three quarter inches issue um, in the assumption that it's uh, that it complies with the, the the city statutes. However, this is with the assumption that. The judge had that same point of view that it wasn't a fixed; it was kind of a a, a, a wiggly thing that that could have gone one way or the other. Um, alternatively, now that we can't uh, go the other way, uh, is is the is is the alternative way would be to um, not make a decision this evening, and uh, and request that the parties go back to. Uh, their private matter, get clarity from the, the court and from the judge as to what we've been asking all night. Uh, judge, did you mean that, that there was no, no encroachment into this, uh, this area or is encroachment of two and three quarter inches acceptable, at which point it would be very easy for us to approve the plans related to the, the elevator because as the planning department has said, it's fine with us and meets, is compliant. So, um, Mr. Givner, what, what, from a legal advice standpoint, uh, should we, which, which direction should we go? Should we assume that the ju- judge uh, was allowing some assumption of some wiggle room of two and three quarters inches, or should we ask that we just go back, that the parties go back to the judge and say, where you, was your decision? It is what it is and no wiggle room.
15: Good evening commissioners Deputy city attorney Brad Russe. Um Mr. Goodner had to step away I think oh as, you're uh, back
1: Julie, it only took I'm you back. it only took you like two hours to to stay away from us and now we have you back thank goodness oh wonderful
15: yeah i'm I'm back yeah Mr. Givner had to step away I think um Julie might have mentioned that at the beginning of the meeting um I haven't been able to watch the entire case but I have been um, Mr. Goodner did update me on some of the previous advice he gave. I think, in response to your question, Commissioner Swig, the board could go either way. The board could continue the matter and give the parties the opportunity to go to court and have the court answer the question before the board resolves uh, this permit question. Um, Alternatively, if the board were to make a decision, you know, upholding the permit, letting the project sponsor move forward, then presumably um, the appellants would go to court and request that the court um, enjoin. The, the permit and not let the, um, the 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 project sponsor move forward with it. Um, so it's really a question for you what you all think is better. I, I believe Mr. Givner might have suggested earlier that it might be better to con- to continue the matter until the court can resolve it. Okay.
1: So one one way or the other, these these folks are going to go back to court, right? So we might as well uh, continue it. Because they, somebody's got to go back to court one way or the other, somebody's going to say we got to go back to court. Is that your, is that your thought?
15: If I, the board can consider the judgment, the court judgment, in deciding what to do here. If the board thinks the judgment is clear, that the permit, one, either way, one way or the other, then uh, the board could deny the appeal because the judgment allows this work to be done. Or you could grant the appeal because you think the judgment prohibits the hermit from moving forward. You can consider it for sure.
1: Okay. And if it's um, that we're not going to make a decision uh, tonight and let them go back to court and get clarity on the subject, is this, this is just a a clerical thing. Is this a call the chair uh, because we don't know when this might come back? Or is, do we just postpone a decision uh, to a fixed date. What's your, what's your advice on that?
15: I think you could continue it to the call of the chair with the condition that we return to the calendar once the parties have obtained a, a decision
5: from the court on the matter.
1: Okay, thank you for that advice. Uh, Commissioner Dunberg?
5: I have a lot of opinions about this. Um, I, I I do very strongly... Believe that um, the court, if if the appellants want their argument to succeed, that we do need a, a clarity from superior court on this matter. Um, I, you know, I I hear the planning department's position. I hear DBI's position that they have to stay kind of neutral, and I understand that, and I understand why. Um, that being said, I, you know, uh, as uh, as Commissioner Swig corrected me last week, uh, we are but a quasi-judicial body, not a true judicial body. If I were sitting tonight as a judge of the Superior Court, I might make a decision on that, but alas, we are not. Uh, and we are limited to what we as a body are able to do, uh, and that is... Um, Look at what's in front of us and only what's in front of us. Um, I think, you know, if, if and and I'm I'm very certain that the appellants don't want to hear this, but um, I believe that if the appellants go to court to get judicial clarity on this uh, and receive a, a, a decision in their favor on this matter regarding the encroachment uh, and the the court's opinion on the encroachment, uh, clearly this judge. Uh, Specifically, allowed continuing jurisdiction of this matter, uh, and has in fact ruled on numerous counts of civil contempt, which is uh, for the non-attorneys on this panel, uh, very, very unusual. Um, and it's uh, I, if if the judge were to rule in the appellant's favor on this, I would certainly be inclined to grant the appeal in totality and cancel the permit altogether. Um, but if the judge rules in the favor, I would go with Ms. Tam's uh, suggestion and grant the appeal only on the grounds that uh, that the roof deck be removed from the plans. Um, so I think we're, we're granting the appeal either way, but it's a pretty sizable difference as far as what uh, it would actually look like. And I think if we did obtain judicial clarity on this matter i think i would certainly be much more comfortable making that decision um, today uh, or the next time we hear this rather Um, so i would be inclined to either continue it to november 30th or call to the chair i I only sort of understand the difference between that i do think two and a half two and a half months would be enough time to get a judicial declaration on this, Um, but but, um, that is an assumption. So um, that is my opinion on this. Thank you. Um,
1: Mr. uh, Commissioner Lopez is next. Sorry, my mic is off. Commissioner Lopez.
7: Yeah, I'd like to start by going back to uh, Mr. Russi, if you're still there.
15: Yes. Good evening, Commissioner Lopez. Hey,
7: good to see you again. Um, Thank you. I wanted to go back to, to something you said earlier, which I think was something to, to the effect of, we can take the order into consideration and, and when we're making our call tonight. And I guess my question would be, you know, it's a, it's a preemption question. Can, is that a can take into account or must take into account?
15: it's part of the record in the case i think it's part of what you need to consider all the evidence that's before you it's the basis of the argument made by the appellant here so um i i think you 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 need to consider yes that is and everything else that's been presented by the parties
7: thanks i I think with that in mind i'm not sure at least in my reading like a plain english reading of the order um, I'm not sure how much we gain by kicking it uh into the future I think you know just showing my cards in terms of how i in, I interpret uh the facts and uh the 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 just the language the the findings and and the substance of the order I think you know two point seven five inches is still two point seven five inches and that's in my mind, a pretty clear encroachment outside of the, the bounds of the three exceptions that, that are included in the order. So I think from where I'm sitting, when we, and again, we, we sit in a different chair that, that that Ms. Tam does, right, where she has to remain agnostic because of the, the points that, that she outlined. But if, if we're saying that we, we can slash must Take the order into account. The order is pretty clear in my mind, um, and yeah, you would. I mean, I think the hypothetical that the commissioner Trzynia, you know, laid out of hey, where does this, <laughs> where does this wiggle room end, right? Is is valid, and um, and I'm not sure I heard a, a compelling response to that. You know, other than well, it's only 2.75 and and i didn't hear a dispute either about past kind of disputes about um about the appellant you know potentially encroaching into the easement clearly there's there's been a lot of back and forth it's been a prolonged uh, dispute so it feels it feels to me uh like allowing this to move forward uh, as planned, you know in in the face of what's you know in my mind pretty clearly delineated in the order, it just um, it doesn't feel like we're properly taking that order into account if if we do that. and so you know, just laying out kind of my perspective on it, I feel like we do have if you know if we, unlike Mrs. Ms. Tam, are allowed to take that into consideration, um, I think it's clear in my mind where
2: we should come out. Mr. Josvina. Yeah, I'd like to thank you, President Swig. I'd like to associate my comments with Vice President Lopez's, and I um, differ with the planning department, but realize that they are under tremendous difficulties and pressures. On, on this matter. And I appreciate uh, our deputy city attorney's uh, last comment that we can, and can take into account uh, the, the, the court order, and I, I, w- I would grant the appeal. And I don't believe that, uh, that we need to wait for the parties to go back to court. Quite candidly, I think the Gautiers have suffered enough and the Judge Carnot's order, we've all read it. It is a history of uh, problems with the two neighbors. And now we have them here again, uh, in this particular issue regarding two and three quarter inches uh, of, uh, of an, an expansion, and encroachment. Um, I appreciate the the job that, that the YI's attorney has to uh, present uh, their side. Uh, I'm just not, I'm not, Convinced from reading the order and and hearing the, uh, and hear, hearing the uh, distinctions that that the the East Council uh, wants wa- wants to make here, uh, I, I I I don't think that uh, given the amount of time uh, that and the history of of this property and this easement has here uh, with the Planning Department and with the courts, I think enough. Uh, Court and litigation and quasi court time has been taken up, and I believe that we can rule and appropriately should rule uh, on, on on this appeal. Uh, I don't see it, with with Judge with the Judge Carnot's order is so specific as to minor minuscule things on the on the steps. I, I don't see how anyone can read that and say, oh, but it's all right to have a permanent expansion. Uh, in, in into the stairs and and that while there may be other stairs uh, these stairs are are, are unique perhaps not, perhaps not unique but special in terms of you can't do anything you want with your own stairs um, there are limits and the easement the easement and the easement area are, are, are pretty clear so I would I would grant the appeal um, tonight um, Commissioner Lindberg? Um
5: I want to add a few things. I I will first state that I agree with both of your legal analyses uh, to Vice President Lopez and Commissioner Trasvenia. I believe there is sufficient evidence on the record tonight that we could grant the appeal in its totality. That said, I still want to make a case for continuing it uh, on a procedural path, and here's why. Um, If we grant the appeal tonight, um, what's going to happen next, as far as actual actual next steps, is that the yees are going to file a writ to overturn our decision, and that decision will be heard by a different judge. It will be heard by uh, somebody who has no knowledge or input into this matter. If we ask the appellant to affirmatively bring it back to Judge Carnot, who has specifically granted continuing jurisdiction over this case, um, it's then being heard by a judge who already has made opinions on this case, uh, and who already knows what's going on in this property. Um, and I think my the overall point is that it's going to go to continue on in litigation either way. Um, but continuing this gives the parties the chance to resolve it. What I would say is the right way, rather than. Um, going through the writ process, which is much messier and will is much more likely to lead to an, to an outcome that I don't think would be fitting to the situation. And then I, then I might add,
1: this is not a building permit. This is only a site permit. So we might as well get all the stuff cleared up NOW BECAUSE I'M SURE THAT IF WE DON'T GET THE STUFF CLEANED UP RIGHT NOW, THEN WE'LL HAVE AN APPEAL ON A BUILDING PERMIT BASED ON WHAT WE'RE TALKING ABOUT TODAY. SO THAT'S JUST THAT'S I'M NOT THE LAWYER HERE. I'M JUST THE GUY WHO'S BEEN THROUGH THIS A FEW TIMES, YOU KNOW. SO um, uh, MS. ROSENBERG, CAN YOU CLARIFY IF WE TAKE A VOTE REGARDLESS OF WHAT THE MOTION IS? if we're unanimous, you're unanimous. If it's 3-1, whatever the motion is, passes. If it's 2-2... Um, the
0: underlying determination it's upheld as a better law, but that actually wouldn't make sense because the, we know that the permit's flawed because it has roof deck. Right. And you should also take into account the fact that DBI said it's possible that it could be moved over, and yeah. he wants to see the plan. So there could be two bases for denying the appeal. One, that... Uh, it should, you know, basically the roof deck is on the plans and two, um, you know, the the easement, but maybe one possibility is to continue it, maybe so that DBI could take a closer look. Maybe it can be shifted, because it seems like the commissioners believe that it is in violation of the order. So maybe it can be shifted and the revised plans could be submitted with the removal of the roof deck.
1: Okay. um, Just a thought. I think that's very good advice that you added to the... The mix with regard to a continuance, um, because we don't know if we deny the appeal, it's done, and it's and it's over. Grant um, the appeal, and and but again, if
0: well, we, we can't deny the appeal because that would make be inconsistent with our no. Previous sorry, decision. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. If we find
1: for the appellant, um, uh, then it, then they then, would uh, have then, to start all over, and it's over, and then uh, commi- uh, um, uh, then Commissioner Lemberg's point of view is probably correct. Um, Again, I use... Well, if you
0: granted the appeal on two separate grounds, maybe the easement ground would be found later. A judge might think something differently, but the other ground, the fact that there's uh, a roof deck, would be enough to support the denial... I think it might be wise on a
1: couple of fronts now that we postpone a decision on this and continue it uh, to... um, uh, a, a call of a chair based on the the, uh, the ability of the judge to respond so when when the judge responds then we can set that time and and also in consideration of refining um, the the view of and the review of, of DBI with regard to um, the task at hand
0: okay so you would want to continue it so that the parties can approach the judge that issued the order to get clarity on whether or not an encroachment is permitted
1: right and then when they when that when that comes back one way or the other, that would allow us the opportunity to pursue. We already right. know the deck is illegal that will have to go right. go away if the judge rules that it's uh, you can't move anything that that pretty much sets up our finding on on the appeal on the appeal point
0: right and Okay. So and that, so the second reason for the continuance is so that DBI is an opportunity to see if the project can be shifted outside of the easement. Exactly. And I mean, so I guess after that, we'll determine about the roof deck. I mean, that's got to go.
1: Yeah, but, no, but, but okay. th- that'll come in a formal motion related to whatever, <laughs> whatever information that we have that's added to the information that we already have. So that's the the point of finding the, the so continuance.
0: How much how much time?
1: Well, uh, uh, it's, I think it should be called the chair, because because of the the we don't know what the judge's calendar is going to be, and um, Commissioner Lundberg said yeah we can anticipate November 30th, but I don't know what the judge's calendar is. So nor does he. So why not just call the chair and then when the when we have clear indication that the judge has made his uh, his or her re- uh, rendering uh, uh, j- judgment uh, then then we can schedule it according to the party's availability
5: um, I can I- think of one reason not to do that and okay. that is if I'm the flexible. if I'm... the appellant chooses not to seek judicial review I that may not happen uh, and then call of the chair would just be kind of an echo chamber forever um, so I do think we should put a specific date on it
1: great let's do November 30th since I know already, I have <laughs> Commissioner. <laughs> L- 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 <laughs> that's been his suggestion in the first place. And if we get to November 15th and the and it's still out in the judgment, uh, out in judgment world, then we will call the parties and postpone it a little further. That's that's a good idea.
0: Okay. Can we confirm that the parties are available on November 30th? Ms.
12: Rennick. Mr. Russell. Mr. Russell. Verification. Um, so the, obviously, the permit would be stayed until, yes. until yes. the decision yes. would be made. Yes, mm-hmm. And we just want to make sure that's in the judgment. Um, yes, you'd have
0: to go back to the judge, get clarity on the 2.75 inches, and then once we get that, we'll come back here. And it could be earlier than November 30th. We can try and coordinate that if, if the judgment comes, or if, if the direction from the judge comes earlier.
12: Thank
11: you. No, November 30th is fine.
0: Okay, thank
11: you.
1: So. Um, uh, will you accept my motion and from there? And, and then we can vote
15: on it.
0: OK, so we have a motion from President Swig to continue this item to November 30th so that uh, the appellant can get clarity from the judge that issued the order regarding the easement. Uh, did we want to this, put this burden on the appellant or the permit holder? Who, who's, who's going to be petitioning the judge?
5: I would assume the appellant would do it because the uh the other party has no reason to okay
15: okay <laughs> uh G- G- julie did not to interrupt but I, the attorney for the appellant has had her hand up for a while I, and these okay, questions you might want to
0: okay thank you please go ahead
16: thank thank you kindly uh emily charlie also on behalf of the appellant um and as as the lawyer that actually tried this case, uh, negotiated the judgment, um, received the contempt rulings on behalf of my client. Um, I wanted to kind of apprise the commission of the state of affairs of this particular uh, procedurally, this case. It's been mentioned a number of times that the court has maintained jurisdiction to handle this case. We can see clarity. I um, respectfully am not convinced that that's accurate. We have been able to go back under a specific provision of the code to seek an order of contempt but the court did not maintain jurisdiction generally over this matter to offer opinions or clarity um and and so i just wanted to be very forthright with the commission as it seems to be making a motion and ruling upon an assumption that the court has ordered maintenance of jurisdiction to opine over over issues and questions
0: thank you commissioner trasvenia
2: Yes, I'd like to move to grant the appeal. I I, I think the, I think this has gone on too long. The the process that we are describing here is fraught now with with the with appellant's attorney describing the uncertainty in the situation with the court. I do think that the if it's I do think that the judge. Who handles Brits might uh, perhaps Judge Carnot could could assume jurisdiction quickly uh, from 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 the other department of the Superior Court, uh, but I, I I I think this has gone on long enough, and I would uh, respectfully move to grant the appeal. Uh,
1: I'll withdraw my motion. Um, based on that request, and let's move forward with, with a vote
2: on that motion.
0: Okay, and there should be two bases for your uh, motion to grant the appeal? Uh, we'll- the, ba-
2: the 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 f- first basis is on the issue of the expansion, the two three-quarter inch expansion, and right. the second is on the, uh, the issue of dealing with the roof.
0: Okay. So uh, we have a motion from Commissioner Trans... Trasvina to grant the appeal and overturn the permit on the basis that uh, the project encroaches into the easement and on the basis that the plans are not compliant with the, the plans approved by the Board of Appeals for appeal number 16 018 because the plans approved for this project have a roof deck.
1: So, and therefore the permit was improperly issued?
0: Correct. And therefore the permit was properly. improperly issued. Okay, on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries four to zero and the appeal is granted. Thank you. So we're moving on to the last item. Can we take a five-minute break so I can get some water? <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. Well, you,
1: uh, c- rather than, can we take a five-minute break after we start the item and then take a break? Oh, yes. By, I'm sorry. You know?
0: We're, we're going to call the item because uh, President Swig needs to recuse himself. So, yes. so I apologize, and then we will take a five-minute break. So, just, uh,
1: so, so according to the terms and conditions and rules on this body, I have to recuse myself based on the um, the, THAT I HAVE AN INTEREST IN A PROPERTY, WHICH JUST HAPPENS TO BE NEXT DOOR uh, TO THIS PROPERTY, SO AND THEREFORE WITHIN 500 FEET. YES. SO I HAVE TO RECUSE MYSELF ON THIS ITEM right. and, AND BID MY COMMISSIONERS A GOOD EVENING okay. AND THANK YOU VERY and MUCH.
0: YES, AND WE'RE REFERRING TO APPEAL NUMBER 22-061 MICHELLE HUNTER VERSUS PLANNING COMMISSION, SUBJECT PROPERTY 925 BRIAN STREET. SO THANK YOU, PRESIDENT SWIG, uh, FOR ANNOUNCING YOUR RECUSAL. Thank HAVE A GOOD you. EVENING AND WE'RE TAKING A FIVE MINUTE BREAK. THANK YOU.
17: TV, San Francisco
18: Government Television.
0: Okay. Welcome back to the September 14th, 2022 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. We are on item number seven, appeal number 22-061, Michelle Hunter versus the Planning Commission, subject property, 925 Bryant Street. Appealing the issuance on July 28, 2022 to Carmel Partners of Planning Commission, motion number M211. 5-8, 5 8 adopting findings related to an eastern neighborhood's large project authorization pursuant to planning code sections 206.6, 329, and 843 to allow demolition of an existing 36 foot tall warehouse and parking lot and construction of a seven story, 75 foot tall residential building containing 218 group housing dwelling units with 26 parking spaces, 218 class one bicycle parking spaces, eight class two bicycle parking spaces. 851 square feet of private usable open space, 7,570 square feet of common usable open space, utilizing the individually requested state density bonus program, California government code section 65915, and receiving waivers from dwelling unit exposure, section 140, rear yard setback, section 134, ground floor ceiling height, section 145.1 C4, off-street freight loading spaces, section 152.1, height limit, section 260, narrow street control, section 261.1, and horizontal mass reductions, section 270.1, and requesting one concession incentive for active street frontages, section 145.1 B2, located at 925 Bryan Street, within the urban mixed-use zoning district, and 48X height and bulk district, and adopting findings under the California Environmental Quality Act. This is record number 2021. 005342 and we will hear from the appellant first and so Laura Campbell's the attorney for the appellant and we had multiple people here under her name so they were moved to the attendee list. Ms. Campbell can you raise your hand please?
4: I just promoted her to the panelist.
0: Did you promote her? Okay. Yes. And uh, Ms. Campbell is your client here this evening, Michelle Hunter?
17: Yes, my client is attending via
0: Zoom. Okay, because someone named Sonia Kana, a member of the public, misidentified herself erroneously as the appellant. So I moved her to the attendee list. So uh, she's not an appellant and shouldn't be representing herself as such.
17: Apologies.
0: Okay, so Ms. Campbell, please go ahead. You have seven minutes.
17: Thank you. Uh, Good evening, everyone, and thank you for your time tonight. I'll try to be concise. I know it's a, a long evening. I represent Michelle Hunter, who is a local resident that will be directly impacted by the proposed project at 925 Bryant Street. Uh, in support of uh, the resident's appeal, we ask the board to refer to both the materials underlying the opposition at the original hearing, as well as the statement submitted by the member of the public, uh, the content of which supports our position. Uh, While a general summary of our position can be found in these documents, rather than going exclusively through every single item that we believe is not in conformity with the general plan, um, I'd like to start by addressing two broad categories. The first being the approval's lack of analysis and attention relating to the uniqueness of Langton Street, the private street on which the project wishes to install a a curb cut and have its only area of entrance to the building exist. Uh, And then second, the density waiver with, uh the density waivers that permit the building to exceed the normal height limitations, um, as well as the freight loading and, and other waivers, um, the waivers of which will result in complete blockage of air and light to the existing residential units. So with regard to this first issue with Langdon Street, just to describe the scenario of what we're talking about here and, and situate us, uh, the project is proposed on a lot that's accessible by a well, large street, Bryant Street. And then also by an extremely narrow alley, uh, which is Langton Street. Uh, Langton Street is a one way street. Half of it's public, and then the other half is private. Um, and not just hypothesized private, this is one of the documented private streets. Um, and the only entrance to Langton Street, in the sense of it being a one way, like the only legal car entrance without going against traffic, is on the private part of Langton Street. So the project plans that were submitted contain a professionally done survey that conveys the layout pretty well. Uh, If you're looking at the PDF form of tonight's supporting materials, it's on page 41. Um, And uh, it includes details about a number of easements I'm gonna talk about, and also a period of space on the street where ownership is completely unknown. So this survey shows a list of I think eight easements and indentures altogether all of which are non-exclusive easements over this private white effect. And I think a big problem that we have here is that, I don't know under what cognizable legal theory, the holder of only one of these eight non-exclusive easements over a privately owned road can commandeer that road for the exclusive entry into their property, Um, particularly where another entrance option exists that hasn't been vetted or discussed or analyzed uh, fully for the purposes of this permit um which would be an entrance on bryant street um when this issue came up at the original hearing the response that the neighbors received uh, as to why can't be on bryant street was merely it's against city policy we can't do it um which is perplexing because you know a mere block next door there's a very very large residential housing unit known as estella that does in fact have a curb cut on bryant street um and, and seems to be working out well So again, I think the problem here is that neither the project plans nor the supporting materials or the staff recommendation contains any analysis regarding these numerous indentures and easements that exist on this private street and how they relate to the project's plan to increase traffic there, too, or block for construction um, or otherwise make changes to uh, and the staff's findings that are mandatory for general plan compliance with regard to impacts on things like transportation and traffic. Um, it's sort of conclusory and le- loops, kind of leaps right over it. There's no there's no mention of the easements. Um, the list of the eight easements appears on the survey map and then never again in the plans. And I don't know that this was something that was fully contemplated. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that the concept of, of permits compliance with existing easements was brought up already on another hearing tonight, especially with regard to section 175B of the San Francisco Municipal Code requires that permits uh, that are approved be, you know, be authorized and conform to all aspects of other issues of the code. Um, With that, I'll briefly turn to the waivers for uh, general bulk and density. Uh, You know, again, instead of just repeating points that have been made in letters that were submitted to the board, just like to point out that a lot of times the conversation gets condensed to the fact that there's nothing we can do, you know, public density code, government California code, there's nothing that can be done. Um, But in fact, CITY DOES RESERVE THE RIGHT AND THE ABILITY TO MAKE FINDINGS FOR PUBLIC HEALTH AND SAFETY uh, IF THERE IS GOING TO BE A SPECIFIC ADVERSE IMPACT. Uh, AND SO WE WOULD POSIT THAT BASED ON THE INFORMATION THAT WAS SUBMITTED uh, IN TOTALITY WITH REGARD TO THIS PERMIT, THE WAY THAT IT IS GOING TO ACROSS FROM THE NARROW WIDTH OF A PRIVATELY OWNED STREET, BLOCK ALL LIGHT um, UP TO 7 STORIES, MULTIPLE STORIES ABOVE THE EXISTING UNITS. Uh, and the impact that it is going to have on accessibility on that road, on entries to that road, on traffic on that road, uh, that this would support in one of those specific adverse impact findings to uh, in, that would be sufficient to not grant the waiver uh, for height, uh, for loading, um, and for some of the other waivers that were permitted. So with that, I'll uh, yield my time. Thank you.
0: I'm sorry, are you finished?
17: Yeah, I was
0: reserving the three minutes. For okay, we have a question from Commissioner Uh
5: Thank you. I have uh, one point and one question. Uh, first, Ms. Campbell, at the beginning you stated that uh, there was a brief submitted by a member of the public that supports the appellant's position. Um, I would like you to acknowledge that you did not submit a brief by the deadline, and instead provided your brief in full to a member of the public intentionally to circumvent Board of Appeals rules. Would you acknowledge that?
10: I, I want
17: to. I mean, I I'm put in a somewhat uncomfortable position here. I would not say that anything that we did was intentionally to circumvent rules. Uh, I will say that. In the course of my representation, I did not submit a brief by the timely deadline and that an interested member of the public uh, submitted a brief that made the same points that I'm making here tonight. And I, um, I I want to apologize if that uh, has stricken any of the members of the board um, in the wrong way.
0: Well, I want to clarify that the appellant submitted their brief.
5: I'm sorry. Thank you.
0: Yeah. M- Michelle Hunter, the appellant. Said, submitted a brief and she said she wanted to submit it in her capacity as a member of the public. We, of course, rejected it because it was weeks late and passed the deadline. Approximately four hours later, we received the same exact brief uh, from Sonia Khanna, who misrepresented herself as the appellant tonight. So, you know, they're playing games with the whole process. It's underhanded and it's not fair. But in hindsight, maybe we should have rejected the brief. We did consult the city attorney. Um, we, we let it in in the future i don't know if we would do such a thing and i apologize to the determination holder because it's really not fair they didn't have an opportunity to respond to the points it's just underhanded and frankly i've never seen it before in my four and a half years here
5: thank you for the clarification ms rosenberg um i i do have a, an actual question and that question is in order to grant the appeal tonight we have uh we have to show that the uh that the planning commission committed an error or abuse of discretion i'm seeing a lot of complaints, uh, some of which may may be legitimate. uh, But my question is, how do those complaints constitute error or abuse of discretion on the part of the Planning Commission?
17: The best way that I can distill it would be abuse of discretion in terms of the conclusory findings in support of the factors for the general plan compliance. Uh, The statements that are included in the staff report are kind of simply reiterations of what the, uh, what the subject criteria is stated that it's met without any actual contemplation for the uniqueness of the situation of the block, of LinkedIn Street, of its uh, multiple easements and indentures and private ownership.
5: Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the determination holder. I believe Mr. John Kevlin is here representing Carmel Partners. Welcome Mr. Kevlin, you have seven minutes.
19: Thank you, Mr. Rosenberg, and good evening, Commissioners. John Kevlin here with Ruben Junison-Rose on behalf of the project sponsor, Carmel Partners. Uh, As we've discussed, the appellant didn't provide a brief, so we're doing our best to respond to the complaints and concerns that we've heard um, to date. Um, So just to give you a little background here, Project at 925 Bryant Street would demolish a 13,000-square-foot retail and industrial building, replace it with a seven-story, 218-unit residential building, including 35 deed-restricted affordable units. Uh, Due to their size, the market rate units are expected to be affordable to 110 to 120% AMI households, known as the missing middle of households that can't afford a market rate housing unit and aren't eligible for affordable housing units. So it's a, a special project in that way. Um, The project is consistent with the Eastern Neighborhoods plan using the state density bonus law. The project makes a significant contribution to the city's housing goals, goals that are being currently emphasized in the update to the housing element uh, now in progress. Um, By providing on-site affordable units, the project has been granted by state law a 50% density bonus and waivers and incentives, uh, again, pursuant to the state density bonus law. The project is providing more very low-income affordable housing units than otherwise required by San Francisco's inclusionary housing program to get this level of density bonus uh, and waivers and incentives. Uh, And the state law mandates these waivers and incentives be provided in exchange for the on-site affordable units. Um, So in sum, you have a project that maximizes density, provides more affordable housing than is otherwise required in San Francisco, and whose market rate units will serve a critical community that isn't typically able to afford housing in the city. Um, Okay, so let's move on to to the appellant's uh, concerns. We've heard uh, a couple of them uh, tonight. So first, the garage entry on Bryant Street. Um, The the project has uh, frontage on both Langton, the alley, and Bryant. Um, The way these projects start is that we we present our initial proposal, and when it comes to the um, uh, streetscape, we enter into this process with the SDAT team, the streetscape design advisory uh, uh, team. And they essentially direct us as to how they would like us to engage in the streetscape um, uh, based on various city policies, right? And so out of the gate it was made clear in our preliminary application that they wanted the garage entry on Langton Street, not Bryant Street. The reason being is that the general plan acknowledges Bryant Street as a transit priority street, and that uh, that mm-hmm. planning DPW, SFMTA, and others wanted the, the, uh, the garage entry on the alley, which worked out well because actually it makes for a better project. We've got all of our community space in a double height space right along Bryant Street. Uh, and so it works for the project as well. Um, now, the Langton Street garage that the project does propose is actually going to be an improvement compared to existing conditions. Uh, the, commer- the current commercial industrial building's parking lot is accessed at the same point of Langton Street, the furthest way down you know, on this parcel. Um, the project reduces the parking, lot, uh, parking count from 27 uh, down to 24 and will be limited to residents' cars rather than large trucks and other large vehicles serving the com- current commercial building. Um, And the project will also have on-site property management employees at all times that can help with any conflicts on Langton Street. Um, In some of their filings, the appellants appear to be concerned with the existing businesses along Langton Street blocking the street. Let me make one thing very clear. The first 255 feet of of Langton Street is a public street that is is served just like any other street in, in, in the city. Beyond that, does become a private street with reciprocal easements amongst all of the property owners. Um, but, but it is a public street along the, the, the project's frontage, with the exception of the last 10 feet of the project, that the, the, uh, the property owner actually owns a, a portion of the private street. Um, so we know the reciprocal easements doesn't allow for trucks to park and just sit in the middle of that street. So that, that's, not a, that's not an issue that the private street uh, creates. Um, we've worked through the SDAP process. We've worked very closely with the fire department to ensure that there's a 150 foot fire lane maintained on the street. Um, we're actually adding a red zone along almost all of the uh, Langton Street frontage where no currently it's parking today. No parking will be allowed. No loading will be allowed in order to maintain that fire uh, zone. Uh, and then again, we've also worked closely with planning SFMTA and DPW to ensure the streetscape improvements further improve the operation on Langton Street. For example, we've moved the passenger loading onto Bryant Street, right? We're trying to take as much of that activity off of Langton Street as possible. This is not a unique project. There are uh, narrow alleys throughout uh, the south of market, market District. In fact, they have special controls in the planning code. That's how not unique this project is. We, we do projects on alleys all the time. Um, So uh, the project will improve current conditions along Langton Street. uh, And as an owner, Carmel will be involved in resolving any misunderstandings about blocking uh, Langton Street, because they also don't want uh, blockages uh, from other business in in the area. Um, I'll mention about the general plan. San Francisco's general plan is very broad. It has a lot of policies. And uh, courts are very deferential to cities interpreting their own general plans. There's never an exact answer in the general plan for a certain project. right? You cite policies that support a project, or you cite policies that don't support a project when you're choosing not to to, to support the project. But anyone can pick out policies on either side to say this should mean the project shouldn't get approved. Um, But again, it is the city's uh, jurisdiction to make those decisions uh, and apply the general plan policies that are relevant. I will finish up by saying state law does restrict the city's ability to deny or reduce the size of this project. Both the Housing Accountability Act and the density bonus law um, prohibit such action unless a finding is made on the record of a public health or safety impact. the city's environmental review process was thorough. It resulted in a com- community plan exemption. It identified zero significant environmental impacts. So, this has been studied by the city's own staff, and the determination was that there were no significant impacts here. Um, so, i.e., I- there's no basis for reducing or denying the project. Um, and of course, we should be celebrating this project uh, at the moment. The Planning Commission held a hearing earlier this summer over concerns about the lack of new housing applications. Um, this project pencils during this very difficult time for development in the city. So, this is a good project encouraged by numerous city policies and state law, and we res- respectfully request that you deny this appeal. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Lemberg.
19: Yes.
5: Thank you. Uh, I hear everything you say loud and clear. Um, I want to just make one point. I, I heard your talking point on the missing middle. Um, but I just want to confirm my understanding of what that actually means is that there's no deeply affordable housing being
19: built on this site at all. Is that correct? That's not correct. We, have, we are subject by city's inclusionary uh, housing uh, ordinance of 21.5%, and, and 12% of that is to very low-income households, 50% AMI. And then we're adding another 3% on top of that to qualify for the density bonus. So we've got 15% very low income, 4.5% at 80%, which is low income, and then another 4.5% at 110% AMI. So that's only the missing middle is the market rate units on the project
5: sorry to make you repeat yourself but um can you translate those into actual numbers of units rather than percentages
19: so there's 35 total affordable housing uh, deed restricted units on site so let me just do the math uh a bit over 50 percent of those are going to be very low income Okay, I, I, um, and then a bit under are going to be either low or, uh, or moderate income. We can do the math here and come back uh, uh, at the rebuttal as well to give you a little bit more specifics. Okay, precise.
5: I'm more just curious than anything. I don't really think it's a ground for anything important to this appeal. I just, uh, you know, when we have the opportunity to talk about affordable housing, I always take the opportunity to do so.
0: Thank, thank you. Uh, I, Commissioner Trusby, yeah?
19: I, 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 Excuse me, Commissioner, oh. we actually have the numbers now. Do you mind if I just, so, there's going to be uh, 22% at very low income. 22. Uh, sorry, 22 units at very low income, seven units at low income, and six units at moderate income, 110% AMI. Thank you. Thank you. And, Commissioner, excuse me. Uh, uh,
2: thank you. Uh, Ms. Campbell talked about the uh, the issue of the uh, entrance on Bryan Street for another building, and you you have stated that based on the guidance and direction of the of, of the CSTAT that you've placed it on LinkedIn. Can you elaborate on w- whether the city or whether your own studies have shown the impact of having two properties with entrances on Bryant, what that would be like for traffic, et cetera? Uh,
19: I, I don't have any specific feedback other than more entrances on a transit preferential street means there's more uh, uh, conflict between uh, transit pedestrians and um, these these projects, I will mention I do know 975 Bryant, the uh, the project she was mentioning. That project is also on a narrow street, and that project is completely designed for the front door and the entrance to that project to be on Kate Street, which is the which is the alley. So that project is designed in a different way, and Kate Street doesn't have any. It's a street, but this is the only building on this street. There's no other access to it, so it's not an apples-to-apples apples situation either.
2: Right. I'm familiar with the area and my sense is that having two buildings with, uh, with Bryant entrances would be far different than having just one, and I could see it have a, have the, a sustaining one, but not two. Thank yeah. you.
0: Okay, Vice President Lopez?
7: Yeah,: Just one, just one further clarification on that question. Uh, did you did you have any you know record or documentation of Estat's uh, uh, requirement to that effect?
19: Uh, we have the I, I don't have it with me. The PPA letter uh, confirmed the entrance on Langton Street. And as the, the STAT process is um, iterative, so that that issue got taken care of right at the very beginning. They wanted it on Langton. They confirmed it on Langton, and then it. And that that, that goes to kind of part of the comments as well. This doesn't all get discussed at the Planning Commission hearing, right? A lot of this gets worked out during the process. But in direct response to your question, Commissioner, that was at the the very beginning of the project uh, where that direction and confirmation came from. Got it. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the Planning Department. Welcome, Mr. Teague.
20: All right. Good evening, Vice President Lopez, Commissioners, Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator for the Planning Department. Uh, No disrespect for removing my jacket. I'm I'm from the South, but I still couldn't take the heat. I'm not sure what was going on when we first walked in tonight. But um, I won't repeat a lot of what the project sponsor put out there, just in the interest of time. I think everything that they stated was, was accurate. Again, uh, the project is 218 group housing bedrooms, 26 parking spaces, seven-story building. Uh, This was heard by the Planning Commission on July 28th of this year, and they did vote by uh, a count of five to one, with one commissioner absent, to approve the project. The one no vote was really based on potential, maybe construction methods, not any of the actual kind of issues of the project itself. And many of the issues that have been raised here on appeal, if not all of them, were also raised at the Planning Commission um, as well and and discussed there. You know, these times, even though this isn't a huge project, this is a large project authorization in eastern neighborhoods. That's a state density bonus project. There's a lot of code and state law technicality. I'm, I'm not gonna focus on all that, but obviously I'm here for any questions you may have on any of those technicalities. I'm happy to go into all those details um, and I really just want to focus on the information that was raised um, in the appeal and then the subsequent letter. Um, you know, First of all, we always sympathize with neighbors of new large buildings because, of course, right? I mean, an 18-month or even a year construction project is going to be a challenge no matter what. The, the city does do a lot of work to help uh, moderate the impacts of construction. DBI has um, controls on that. This approval had a condition of approval to coordinate with MTA on construction traffic. The environmental review includes a uh, mitigation measures that are required to to do, which include reducing construction noise and clean construction and having a construction minimization plan. So to the extent we can, the city does try to reduce the impacts of construction, but they are a reality of development here in a a dense city. Um, There were various kind of environmental concerns raised in the appeal again this isn't a sequel ap- appeal um that environmental review was done and completed and was not was not appealed and as was mentioned you know there were no significant impacts found here again this, this isn't a kind of a, um, um, an atypical project this is a fairly typical project uh, mid-rise project especially within the soma context um, just to touch a little bit on the state density bonus aspect you know the some of the arguments that were made about the general plan you know the, the project sponsor was true that we have hundreds of goals and objectives spread among different elements and area plans in the general plan and you it's pretty easy to find competing objectives um, we're always looking at this on balance is it consistent with the general plan It's true that the state density bonus law is a state law that is you know we're required to implement kind of regardless of how it relates to our our general plan and that can create some situations where it's not as on balance consistent with the general plan as maybe another project, but um, but that is kind of a reality of the state density bonus um, law. There was some mention of like the planning commission does have some discretion not to grant waivers and incentives, but it is a very high bar the, the health and safety issue has to be, you have to be able to very clearly document what that is and what those impacts are. And again, this is just a standard mid-rise SOMA project that doesn't have any kind of unique impacts on, on health and safety. Um, so that, you know, one of the big issues that was discussed a lot was the curb cut. The project sponsor is correct. Um, for various reasons, the curb cut kind of has to be on Langton. Um, first and foremost the code requires it so and this kind of gets at this question so the project at 975 um, Bryant was approved in 2017 in late 2018 the code was actually amended to actually take our curb cut restrictions and and make them even more robust and stronger and one of the requirements that was added at that time was to get at kind of situations like this where if you have two frontages and one of them is a kind of protected street, and Bryant is because it is a transit preferential street, then you, you have to put it on the other frontage. There's some outs for that if there's like some really extreme situations going on, but in a standard situation like this, the city's position, the reason that code amendment was made to begin with is because that was already our policy. You know, you put the traffic entrance on the side street or the back street, not the primary street. Additionally, Bryant is in our Vision Zero high-injury network. It's one you know, a lot of the Soma streets are not particularly safe for pedestrians and bicyclists. So reducing conflicts along Bryant Street is also um, important. And then as was mentioned, SDAT, that team, not only is it iterative, it's multi-departmental. So it's the planning department, it's MTA, it's public works, it's all of the agencies that care about how our streets work when it comes to development. So. Again, we've had this come up before. Obviously, if you live on an alley or a side street, you know, having the entrance there in some ways may not be your favorite idea, but from a holistic perspective, it's definitely the consistent policy of the of the city to to put those there, and the 2018 code amendment kind of re- requires it for a situation like this. Um, that really covers. You know most of the points that i heard raised in the appeal and then in the appellants comments tonight but i'm happy to answer any other questions you may have thank you
0: thank you commissioner lumber
20: this isn't really a
5: question but um i just wanted to point out as as i'm 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 kind of a, a muni freak and i do note that on the block of Bryant between 7th and 8th, there is no Muni line currently running on this street. So I understand that it's a transit preferential street as listed in the code, but there isn't actually any transit on that block.
20: Right, and there's actually right here, too, The, the right at this block is where there's a shift in the categorization, too, to this being... Because basically, to be a transit preferential street is like a larger category, and then there's like a hierarchy within that. So some are like really... Major transit, and there's like my, more minor ones. This one is categorized as more of a, a minor, so to speak, um, preferential street, um, but it still is in the code, you know, a transit preferential street. And obviously, the level of muni service on streets kind of changes over, over time. Sure. Sure.
5: Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay. It's
20: okay.
0: Vice President Lopez.
20: Uh, yeah,
7: I, I think you know to the to the question that's before us in terms of determining, you know, whether, there, whether or not there's an abusive discretion. I think, you know, one of the areas for consideration that may be, um, or that often is, is fruitful is, you know, in some of the kind of softer elements that get balanced. So I think, you know, with respect to, you know, the, the assessment of, uh, you know, you described that in any given, given project, you know, people on opposite sides of the line maybe kind of you know drawing on the general plan for for arguments to to benefit their their position and i'm sure you've seen uh you know in your in your in your time and and your chair you know all kinds of kind of uh utilization of those elements of the general plan to support or detract from any given project so it it with with respect to the balancing act of those elements of the general plan that kind of were incorporated into the into the assessment for this project uh, what can you tell us about you know are these were these arguments um you know kind of common kind of persuasive uh, elements from the general plan that that were uh, that led to this outcome or was was there anything unusual about um that that balancing process with this project?
20: To be honest, I don't think that this particular issue, like uh, to what extent or how well balanced the project was with the general plan was a major component of the planning commission's deliberation or consideration. Um, I think if you take the state density bonus component away from this, this project is exactly what this property was zoned for Um, when in the eastern neighborhoods rezoning and this was actually part of the western SOMA rezoning in 2013 um so this you know the, the use is permitted the the nature of the development is permitted the state density bonus obviously is resulting in some additional affordable housing which obviously meets lots of general plan goals and objectives it, it the trade off there is just additional additional mass which in here basically results in less rear yard and more height um and if it you know if it didn't reduce some of the rear yard, it could be even more height. You know, the state density bonus, basically the trade-off in the law says, if we're gonna get this affordable housing created, you have to provide physical space for the bonus that they get in response to that. So I would say that from a general uh, plan perspective, the project is very much in line with what was envisioned for this site. It's just a little bit larger because of the state density bonus.
7: Uh, So I think what I'm hearing is because of the density bonus, because of the lack of, you know, extraordinary variances, then that the general plan kind of balancing act wasn't a big part of this assessment.
20: Sure.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So we are now moving on to public comment. I see Jake Price has his hand raised. Please go ahead.
15: Good
21: evening, Commissioners. Uh, Jake Price speaking on behalf of the Housing Action Coalition. Um, I do recognize that it's late, so I'll try to keep my comment brief. Um, To recap, our project review committee reviewed and endorsed 925 Bryant back in March of 2022. Um, And like previous speakers have already mentioned, our committee was especially impressed with the innovative approach from the project team to provide both affordable and workforce housing uh with the city facing the housing shortage that it is projects such as this are an essential part of the solution Um, and dense workable workforce housing on underutilized sites near transit and services is exactly what san francisco needs the 925 bryant proposal represents this exactly i'd also like to note that during our outreach and advocacy for this project uh, san francisco residents sent 130 letters of support AND MORE THAN 10 CALLED IN uh, TO SUPPORT THE PROJECT AT PLANNING COMMISSION. SO WE ASK THAT YOU CONSIDER THIS PUBLIC SUPPORT uh, HERE TODAY. I ALSO THINK IT'S PERTINENT TO RECOGNIZE THAT THE APPEAL AT HAND IS NOT BASED ON THE PROJECT ITSELF, BUT RATHER A MISGUIDED IDEA THAT THE PLANNING COMMISSION WAS NOT DOING THEIR JOB WHEN THEY APPROVED THIS PROJECT. WE WHOLEHEARTEDLY DISAGREE WITH THAT NOTION AND RESPECTFULLY REQUEST THAT THE BOARD OF APPEALS deny this appeal and allow San Francisco to proceed in adding affordable workforce housing to the city. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from Sonia Khanna. Please go ahead.
22: Hi, um, I'm Sonia. And first of all, I just wanted to apologize for the misunderstanding of my naming convention when I joined. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a great understanding of how I would represent that I was speaking on behalf of this and I just worded myself as that, I had no intention of confusing anybody. So I just wanted to start off by saying that. Um, Aside from that, I'm a resident of 303 Langton. Um, I'm right across from the building. All of the points have already been made and I'm not going to repeat them, um, keeping in mind that it's very late. Just the one point that I'd like to make is, um, we have talked about the transit preference and the um, issues with Bryan Street. Um, just one thing to keep in mind is we have mentioned this before Langton Street is partially private which makes the entrance to get on Langton on Bryant so whether a car enters a garage from the curb cut that is already on the building on Bryant or 10 feet ahead on Langton would not make much big difference on the safety and hazard because they will still have to go on Bryant slow down their cars and make a turn Um, and that's all I have to
0: Okay. thank you. Is there any other public comment? Please raise your hand. There's someone who's identified as Laura Campbell, attorney for the appellant. Who are you? Did you just get that link from Ms. Campbell? Can you identify yourself?
15: I
18: did, yes. My name is Adam Graff. I am a resident of 311 Langton. I live across the street from the project.
0: Okay. so please go ahead. And I'm sorry, can you say your name one more time?
18: Yes, it's Adam Graff. Oh, okay, thank you. Please 11. go ahead. You have three yeah. minutes. Yeah, so I won't, um, I won't uh, again, I, uh, similar to Sonia, I won't um, belabor the points uh, that, we, that were raised. Lori is representing um, all of the residents that live on the street. Um, there was one comment that, the, um, that the, the lawyer for the developers made, which was that they're going to paint um, the entire curb alongside their frontage red and mark it as fire zone, which means that we will lose all parking that we have along this street. Um, And I think that that's a problem and that that needs to be paid specific attention to Um, just uh, it was a passing comment that was made and and, uh, raises some extreme concerns with um, the already limited parking that we have in the area because of um, 851 Bryant, the courthouse that's nearby.
0: Okay, thank you. Is there any further public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any more public comments, so we'll move on to rebuttal. Ms. Campbell, you have three minutes.
17: Thank you. In rebuttal, I'll, I'll mention first that there was some discussion about uh, the concept of analyzing the conformity with the general plan on balance, and it, it was sort of conceded that the on balance analysis wasn't really a big part. I'm, I'm sorry, your sound is
0: not great. Can you, can you pause sorry. the time, please? We have sirens going by, so just one moment, but
4: sure. should I just reset it? Sure. Thank you.
0: Okay. Try again, please.
17: Sure. Thank you. I was uh, just explaining the or revisiting the discussion of what analysis happened of the, the balance, unbalance um, and totality of factors with to, with regard to conformity with the general plan. Uh, in a case like this, where you've got a building that is going to tower over the next building with such a narrow alley between it. Uh, I, I guess the residents of that building would hope that the balance would have been a bigger factor in making that determination, um, particularly where there's just such a huge difference between 6 stories and 7 in terms of the heights of their respective buildings and the narrowness of the alley. Uh, and then finally. Regarding the narrowness of the alley, I think I've heard a couple of times that this isn't unique. Buildings are built on alleys all the time. But what I haven't heard is a comparison to a similar case that would make this non unique, where there were eight competing non exclusive easements on a half of that alley uh, being private, and how that would impact one party's right to to co opt the use of it for such a huge influx of uh, traffic. Uh, So those are the final points that only come rebuttal. Thank you again for your time.
0: Okay. Thank you. We will now hear from Mr. Kevlin. You have three minutes.
19: Thank you, Commissioners. John Kevlin here again on behalf of the project sponsor. I'll be brief just on a couple of things. The red zone brought up during public comment. Again, really out of our hands. This was directed by SDAT. And not only that, this was more than just the typical, uh, you know, we want a red zone here. This was at the direction of the San Francisco Fire Department to maintain a fire lane. So, really out of our hands. and is for the purposes of benefiting the public health and fire access. So that's one. Um, I just want to clarify, once again, it's been said a couple times, this is a pro- uh, public street for the first 250 feet of, of, of depth into Langston Street. So none of the private street is accessed to get to this building. There, there's a small 10-foot sliver of that private street that's at the very back of the slot. But the, 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 vast, the, the, the vast majority of, of the building is along a public street just like any other Uh, Streets, so there shouldn't be any confusion about needing to cross boundaries or anything like that. Thank you
0: Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Trasvenia
2: Thank you Uh, with regard to the public comment about the uh, Curb being painted red and losing the parking space it's one thing to Value and appreciate the reason for it and that perhaps you were not it was not your idea or uh, something that we, where you could push back onto the city, but uh, is there an acknowledgement of the impact to the other neighbors on Langton, and is there anything that has been done to uh, to address the impact that it will have?
19: Um, what I will acknowledge is that it's certainly two different competing policies that the city had to make a choice between, right? Maintaining um, you know the existing on-street parking along this uh, site or, um, uh, providing for this fire lane. I would even go so far as saying I don't even think the planning department has much uh, <laughs> influence when the San Francisco fire department comes in and says we need this as our fire lane. But no, no question that is a balance of between two different city policies. This is a very well served uh, transit area. You know so if this is going to happen in any part of the city this is where you want it to happen because um, uh, th- this is where people have access to transit. This project provides 26 parking spaces for 218 units, because the assumption is that they're all going to use public transit, right? This is not an area that you, uh, that, that you need a, a, an automobile. So uh, yes, it's a choice between um, policies. If you're going to remove uh, street parking, this is one of the better places in the city to do it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department.
20: Thank you, Commissioners Corey Teague for the Planning Department again. I will just quickly throw on the overhead <laughs> a map of the lot and the public street. If we can see this here, so lot 77 is the subject lot. You can. This is Bryant, and this is just um, the public portion of Langton Street here, which, as the project sponsor mentioned, essentially runs the length of this property until it dead ends into the little hook of property here which is where is accessed for this property the vehicular entrance is accessed and the rest is private just to give um an understanding there um also just confirming what the project sponsor said that you know obviously fire department making determinations about red zones is kind of outside the purview of the of the planning department you know the the other residential buildings on Langton, on this block, also all have their vehicular access off of Langton, um, as well, so that, that concept is not you know, um, unique on this block. Um, I just, right now, just did a quick look online to see if I can kind of gauge what it would be, it looks like, the number of parking spaces, give or take, that would, if they all go away there on that side of Langton Street's maybe eight spaces, there's going to be at least, there's going to be one to two car uh, spaces added on Bryant because there's a, there's a curb cut there right now for that building that will have to be, go, that will go away. So there will be parking, so net maybe seven lost parking spaces overall um, from the project. But I don't have any other specific points, but obviously I'm available for any questions that you all may have.
0: Thank you. I don't see any questions, so commissioners, this matter submitted. And as a reminder, the standard of review is error or abuse of discretion by the Planning Commission.
5: Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts. I, I would move to deny the appeal on the basis that the Planning Commission neither erred nor abused its discretion.
2: Yeah, I, I, um, I, I would support support the motion. The uh, a lot of a lot of material, a lot of material was presented uh, by either the appellant or the or, or, or the neighbors or both, and uh, I'm I'm comfortable with the responses that have have been provided. Some some are, some are by necessity, uh, some are um, by uh, particularly for, from from the from the department about uh, the no unique impacts on health on health and safety. So I feel that, uh, this was properly decided and it doesn't, it doesn't fall into an abuse of discretion or error that would give us give rise to a, a motion to approve the appeal. So I would, I would support the, uh, the motion.
7: Yeah, I'll just, I'll just add that, um, I'm in agreement. Uh, you know, I think the, uh, the questions that you know, again, due to the, the circumstances of, of the lack of briefing, um, you know, the questions that were presented uh, this evening, I think were, were adequately addressed, uh, both by the, the permit holder, um, or the determination holder rather, and uh, by planning. And so uh, with that, uh, do I have a motion? Yes.
0: Yes, so we had a motion from Commissioner Lemberg to deny the appeal and uphold the determination on the basis that the Planning Commission did not err or abuse its discretion and the large project authorization was properly issued. On that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trasvenia? Aye. So that motion carries three to zero and the appeal is denied. And that concludes the hearing. Vice President Lopez, would you like to adjourn?
7: We are adjourned.
0: Thank you.